0: I'm going to keep this short. Think about uh, backing us on Patreon. It is patreon.com duckfeedtv. Helps us do cool stuff. And now for a sketch inspired by an idea that Mr. Zach Johnson gave us, followed by, oh, the episode. You know what? I'm sick of this. I'm gonna close this healing frequency right now if you keep suggesting that I sell you my crew. We don't deal in slaves, Druge.
1: Workers! They're called workers, and all of our workers report a 95% joy rating on the Druge scale, provided by Druge Go slaveholdings. So forgive me if I try to expand our margins.
0: I won't. I, I won't forgive you. you. You have to know that.
1: I, I won't forgive you. That's you. Let's see. Our uh, scans indicate that you have a MyCon egg casing on board your ship. Will you sell us that?
0: I guess that sounds reasonable.
1: Excellent. It will dissolve nicely into a nutrient-neutral bio-slurry that will keep our workers' stomachs full and their hearts empty.
0: I'm either really glad I asked or really sorry I asked. That's all well and good, but
1: I'm not hearing any counter-offers, Earthling.
0: How about our sirene medical
1: pod? Uh, you know, get the slaves some health care. Delightful now we don't have to wait for the bones to reset before we break them again! Ugh. Throw in a Thradish brand Callus and you've got a deal! No, no!
0: Offer rescinded! Let uh, me see here. here. Uh, how about this spathy PA system? I
1: really could play some tunes, brighten up their day? Stars and Goddess! The slaves will finally be able to hear my demo tape. Uh, don't call them slaves unless they misbehave. Because I'm just a drooge. Drooge is luge, baby. <clears throat> no, yeah, no, I no. Turn,
0: turn that off. No, no, no.
1: Uh, how
0: about this... A handful of antique earth coins, you know, spur on any budding numismaticians, right?
1: Yes, I suppose that we could use them as plates and drastically reduce the food rations. What
0: about actual plates? I mean, we've got some spares lying around. Captain Anderson did some, did some thrifting. <laughs>
1: New toilets for the slaves, the capital idea, Earthling. They're plates. Wouldn't it just kind of slide right off? <laughs> That's how you're thinking. Uh, no,
0: no, no, no. I'm, let me think here. I can, I can get around this. Uh, we have some biological samples from the Corgi system, uh, And the Puppy Nebula. I mean, you can't, you can't possibly turn puppies around on me.
1: You're just going to tee that one up for me, huh? Tee it up. We druge. We play t-ball with the puppies in front of the sl- in front of the workers' children. And, and before you ask, the puppies are the ball. Not the opposing team. God damn it! You know what? I give up. I'm done. You broke me. I forget what we were even haggling over yet. Y- you wanted to buy the bomb that goes with the remote detonator that we sold you earlier. Oh. All right. Well, uh, problem solved.
0: What, what, what are
1: you doing?
0: Uh, uh, be sure to watch out for... <laughs> Where do they keep the slate? On the. Sh- no. <laughs>
2: My name is Gary Butterfield My name is Cole Ross My name is Zach Johnson And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs, it is a retro video games podcast
0: And this week we are talking about Star Control 2, the Urquan Masters, which is an adventure game uh, developed by Toys for Bob uh, and published by Accolade for the PC in 1992 And as you heard, we are joined by the wonderful Zach Johnson, hey Zach Hey, thanks for having me fellas Yeah Hey Zach Where
3: would uh, people know you from? Oh, Kingdom of Loathing, video games, hot dog, other episodes of Duck Feed Podcast, yeah. <laughs> yep. abject suffering.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, this the, the same week. I don't know if we timed that intentionally, but yes. No, it didn't The Zach...
2: infamous Wrath of the Black Manta episode. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, yeah Zach week. Yeah, yeah, asymmetric one month Zach week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, we uh, Zach actually suggested that we play this game. And brought it to our—I I can't say attention because I—I I, I at least can say I was aware of it, but needed that little push to actually take the plunge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really happy I did. And also, like neither Cole nor I like grew up with this game or played it when we were young. Mm-hmm. So we uh, part of uh, why we wanted to have Zach on, other than the fact that he's just delightful, is that uh, he's going to kind of shore up some of that you know context knowledge that we don't have. I can yeah. just come to this as as grown ass adults.
0: There is a ton of context too, because this is a very expansive game with a lot of stuff. So I'm going to give at least my traditional mea culpa on this, um, which is, uh, if I miss something, <laughs> please please forgive. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I will definitely miss things too. There's yeah. a lot of lore to this game, <clears throat> and and the frustrating thing about missing and leaving it out is it's all really good. Yep. Uh, like it it is all really really interesting and well fleshed out from what I've read. Um, but I just didn't have a chance to read all of it. Yeah, Zach, why? Uh, what, what made you want to bring this to us? I was surprised that you guys. <clears throat> pardon me. I was surprised that you guys hadn't played it.
3: Uh, it. It holds up weirdly well for a game of its vintage, and I wanted you guys to talk about it so that maybe you could figure out why exactly <laughs> you think it holds up so well. If you do, um, it, it's. It, it kind of defies genre by virtue of being every kind of game at the same time. Like, I guess there's not really any base building or anything, but it's, there are so many things about this game that just feel miraculous in terms of how good they were at the time and how good they still are, you know, 23 years later. Um, The writing is funny without being stupid. Uh, The, the (laughs) gameplay is deep without being confusing. It, you could, you could play this entire game with a NES controller. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, in fact, there was that the 3DO port that came out a couple of years after the game was published, uh, which the then the open source version, the Urquan Masters, used a lot of those assets. The original PC release didn't have voice acting, for instance, and the 3DO version did. And so the one that you can actually play now that was released uh, was based on the 3DO source code.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And that presumably was played with a controller.
2: I don't actually know anything about what kind of a controller a 3DO had. It's ugly, yeah, yeah. Um, but but it 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 is a controller. Like people did play it with a controller, and it makes just as much sense because there's no uh, no mouse control in this, which is hard to get used to. Yeah,
5: um,
2: but there's a uh, it's it, you know makes as much sense as playing it with a keyboard, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it it really is
3: just sort of D pad and two buttons for everything, right? Yeah. Yep. And
2: yeah. that
3: to me is just really impressive for the scope of the the things that you can do. It's it's, a, it's astonishing to me that they were able to pack so much feeling of of depth and breadth into this game with such straightforward and
2: comprehensible controls. Yeah, th- this could have been a PC-ass, like, nightmare of hotkeys. <laughs> you know, like, it could have been, uh, like, The Bard's Tale or something like that. Yeah. Know, the, or, or I, I mean, it could route. have been a- XCOM, you right. know, yeah, which, yeah, yeah, it,
3: yeah. which is, is incomprehensible if you just try to go to it blind now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, yep. You don't even you very much do not need an instruction manual to figure out how to play this game, and that's great. Mm.
2: Yeah,
0: the like the simplicity on kind of the atomic level really does help it. Uh, I think stay uh, comprehensible and stay good. Each individual little thing they're asking you to do is super super understandable. Um, but like the kind of the my my warm feeling for it comes from kind of the the, the gestalt of it. Like that scale as all those kind of things like fit together in these different, you know, wildly disparate systems, you know, set under this one unifying, you know, world or universe um, really makes everything come together. So it's like incredibly simple at the micro, but pretty complex at the
2: macro. Yeah. Yeah. They work work a little bit better than they have a right to be Mm -hmm. usually.
3: When I first played this game there were some problems because it was a few years after it came out and the version of it that i had and maybe they patched this later or whatever combat ran sort of too fast to actually play just because everything was sort of i don't know if it was more frame limited than 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 clock limited or whatever mm-hmm. and i ended up to play it for real holding on to an old 486 66 packard <laughs> bell machine and just keeping it in my garage for years and years so that i could occasionally break it out and play a game like this but mm-hmm. Because it gave you the ability to just turn on a robot to handle the fights for you,
4: mm-hmm.
3: which seems like a huge deal. It seems like if a game did that now, you know, like if if somebody suggested on Twitter that a game might do that now, mm-hmm. they, they would be made fun of by the entire video game playing community. <laughs> like they did for <laughs> suggesting that, well, what if you could just skip the fights in a Mass Effect game? But mm-hmm. with this, you basically can just skip the fights and just have the AI do it for you mm-hmm. and... You know, people's opinions vary on whether you should do that or not, but the fact that you can, I think, doesn't get it doesn't get enough credit. Right.
2: Yeah, it's awesome, and and you it's not something you see today, not just because of uh, of what you had mentioned, but also because I feel like um, game developers are less likely to occlude a feature mm-hmm. uh, now. Like there's a there's a real like bullet point on the back of the box kind of mentality mm-hmm. in a lot of you know the way the games are designed, and. Um, letting you just kind of opt out of one of them is is huge and for me like it helped a lot because i was very poor at the combat mm-hmm. in this game and like ultimately like while i don't think it's out of all of the struts um that support this game it's my my least favorite mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it's the weakest but it's the one i had the least fun with so being able when i was frustrated being able to turn that off was like an amazing godsend and like <laughs> kind of got me you know i'm i i, I would not have stopped playing the game but it was a much more frictionless experience yeah, uh, the, this, of that.
3: the combat is strategically interesting without being sort of moment-to-moment gameplay interesting necessarily mm-hmm. because of the tremendous asymmetry in the ships that are available. Yeah, right.
0: And those differences and, between the ships actually speak to like what those individual species and cultures value or yeah, like in, how they In, in a the lot of ways,
3: probably came first right. because I, don't, you know, you guys said that neither of you played Star Control one. Mm. The, no. It is not at all the same kind of... Like, Star Control 1 is basically just the ship-to-ship combat portion of this. There was a strategy game element to it, but nobody ever played it because the map was really confusing. If you want to see one of the worst UIs ever, do a YouTube search for what the strategy part of Star Control 1 looked like. It It was a 3D like a spherical map of stars that was presented to you in 2d by rotating so it looked kind of cool but trying to figure out where you could go from any from any one star to any other star was it just a nightmare and i always wanted to play it in high school we played a lot of star control one in the computer lab in high school mm -hmm. and the ship to ship combat is way way more interesting played against another person yeah especially like another person that's sitting right next to you. Mm-hmm. On the
0: same keyboard. <laughs> yeah.
3: And so many of the ships, and this is... It, it's cool. And I and I imagine it was also probably kind of frustrating for them that a lot of the personality of the races sort of fell out of what they decided the ships would do mm-hmm. in Star Control 1. Mm-hmm. And... I guess the same guy also made Archon, which is a thing I didn't learn until recently. So
0: Oh, the battle chess. That game? guy
3: that guy really likes No, it's... Archon is different than battle chess, right? Like it's 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 chess like, but when you go to capture a piece, it puts you into a into an action sequence. Uh mm-hmm. that's sort of like Atari level yeah. uh, of engagement, but with but very different uh very different abilities for the different pieces. So that just kinda seems to be this guy's jam.
0: Yeah so i want to i want to kind of come in and say something like it's funny that you invoked mass effect in that because they did that in mass effect 3 they gave you the ability to put it into just cinematic mode um and even down to like something as recent as uh, as as dragon age inquisition you can either get full-on turn-based tactical with the combat or completely turn it off almost hmm. and so like people people give bioware shit about that just because like oh this is turning into something that's not a game um Whatever, <laughs> but um, that like you're, you're right in that it does give you the ability to make this into the game you want it to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if you automate the combat, it, it turns into like a fleet designing kind of thing. Where, yeah, and
3: yeah. It, because even if the computer's handling the individual fights for you, you still have to choose which ship to send in. So you still have to kind of understand on a tactical level, like which ships are good against other
2: ships. And you control your loadout. Like your 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 actual ship you design, mm-hmm. um, you know, your flagship. So there's that element to, to planning it too. Like the 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 part about um kind of getting to know each individual ship was a kind of a, a frustrating experience for me, just because if you guessed wrong, you know, like I'm gonna bring this guy up against this guy so I can see how he plays, and that guy just hard counters you know the ship you're experimenting with. It, I didn't feel like I came away with it with knowledge as to what that ship would be good against, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes the combats would happen so quickly that I couldn't get enough feedback to uh, to know, you know, and there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. there, there are so many ships in this game. It is like, it's not rock, paper, scissors. It's like rock, paper, <laughs> scissor, gun, knife. <laughs> you know, stapler. Like it it is the an unending war of office supplies. Um in this game. Yes. So like that, that was Oh the classic yeah. office supply. Rock. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Hey, uh paperweight, bud. Oh,
3: uh, okay. Fair Bam. enough. Bam.
2: <laughs> Bam. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I ended up finding that like that was really neat and I could see that being like a kind of a separate game if that was the whole point of like getting to know these ships kind of like a fighting game, mm-hmm. which is what the super melee mode mm-hmm. um, kind of is. But that we're going to be concentrating mostly on the adventure mode um, yeah. almost almost entirely. Like I didn't spend a lot of time super meleeing, even mm-hmm. though I appreciate super melee exclamation point on the menu quite a bit. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
0: Um, and the actual fights are a little bit confusing with the way that they handle scope. I guess, because you're around this planet and you have to kind of manage your, your uh, um, you know, kind of orbital velocity, right, uh, around these larger bodies. But as you get closer or further away from an enemy, uh, steering around in this asteroid's kind of fashion, uh, it'll zoom in and zoom out. And that's kind of what made those most difficult for me.
2: Yeah, that is, that is tricky.
3: <clears throat> yeah, it was very much an evolution of, like, space war, right, where it's mm-hmm. just one ship versus another ship with a gravity well in the middle. But... Confining it to one screen, I feel like they wouldn't have been able to really do enough interesting stuff to differentiate that many ships. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know, what you were saying about certain ships just immediately getting destroyed by certain other ships, that was also a little bit dependent on the whims of the RNG because certain matchups would be fine if they spawned in far apart, but you're screwed if you spawn in close. Mm -hmm. And that being completely random was also a little bit, a little bit
2: of an aggravation. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely had kind of mixed experiences with it. Um, the fact that you had to always travel back home um, to resupply ships yeah. made it made me less likely to experiment with that kind of stuff, which yeah, I, I mean, did, theoretically, like, I, I, you
3: could have saved and loaded, but we're not used yeah. to
2: really thinking like that. And
3: I mean, that that design really is, I think, a relic of the fact that this was just a, you know, a sort of a couch competitive game at its heart with this adventure game kind of tacked onto it but then the tacked on thing turned out to be this just amazing
2: thing (laughs) yeah like this is a a long way of me saying that i spent you know i didn't i spent a lot of time in android mode um like i tried out all the ships to see what they were like but i my win-loss ratio was so bad when i was actually manually controlling them that i spent the almost entirely the thing you know the game just having androids control things even though that makes the the actual ending a real (laughs) a real a real funny uh kind of anti-climax but uh but we'll, we'll get to that yeah. the if it seems weird for people listening that we haven't really described what the game is about it's because it's about all of these different things yeah like it it this game resists our usual kind of approach mm-hmm. um as much as any game you know since like street fighter or something like that <laughs> like this doesn't uh lend itself so well like there is a story mode that we're going to talk about but because it is all these different systems put together um you know they have to all kind of have to be examined individually
3: yeah. And, um, yeah and there's a lot of elements to the story, but there isn't really a prescribed order
2: yeah it <laughs> in is which it is your nonlinear yeah.
0: So the structure that I put this into, you know, just kind of after we get around the generalities, we may even talk about them in the tutorial, I'm not sure, um, is like you're dealing with all these different cultures. Um, and each of these has like a history and tendencies and things that they value and all this stuff, uh, places that are different species that they're in conflict with. Um, and you can kind of go and ally with them kind of episodically almost in any particular order and kind of the critical path of this game, collecting a couple of these artifacts and putting them together is actually very short. The majority mm-hmm. of this is actually optional and is kind of fueled by your curiosity and your ability to kind of like suss out the coordinates in this massive quadrant of the, of the galaxy in order to go find the inter- interesting stuff amidst kind of just the empty magma
2: planets where you can maybe get a cup, you know, like a little bit of barium. Yeah. <laughs> like oops, I'll bury them. The, um, <laughs> The I, it, it is optional, but getting the figuring out which uh, artifacts you need, where to get them, and all that stuff mm-hmm. like that's the game play, play impetus behind uh, meeting these these races and and becoming friends with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's kind of the the stick. What's interesting, um, you have in the notes, um, we talk about Starflight here, which is the game that I have a lot more experience with, and Starflight, uh, that that's essentially what Starflight is. Mm-hmm. Like Starflight is a game that like it's you up the mining about. Three hundred percent. Like the mining <laughs> is more complicated, um, and the uh, it is just like talk to alien races to get certain coordinates that allow you to beat the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the it's it's like a step down in almost every other way. Like there are fewer aliens, they're less well developed. Um, you know, just the mining is, and I would I would argue the combat is a little bit stronger in Starflight. Like the ships aren't all different, but it feels a little bit better.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, at least in my hands, Starflight
3: so... at the very least was. <sighs> Given that it was a thing that would run on like a single density floppy, it, it was staggering in scope, like the tricks that they managed to do. And I think it has something to do with fractals, but that just might have been the word for magic in the late <laughs> yeah. 80s. Uh, but uh, but the, the extent to which they created just this gigantic space for you to explore with such a tiny amount of of, uh, of code and space to fill... Uh, was was impressive, and and that did share at least a couple of people. Although I think maybe uh, Greg Johnson was the was one of the designers of Starflight, and then came on to Star Control Two just as a writer.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he wrote a lot of the dialogue, like he did a lot of the different alien stuff, which makes sense because that's something that on a smaller scale Starflight does yeah. really well. Like is the uh, just a, a lot of diverse aliens, and some of them are even kind of directly like the the speemen the unfortunately named <laughs> spemen from uh starflight have a lot in common with like the spathy right um you know in uh in star control too.
0: i never played uh starflight but zach a little a little while ago you shared an article with me about uh about it on the digital a- antiquarian um and uh in reading it after playing you know star control like before and after um man they really took a lot like you can see a tremendous amount of resemblance between the two games yeah,
3: yeah, they're, definitely they're more simple. so than something like a like an elite or a or a privateer or mm. uh you know uh, what's the space rangers? <laughs> yeah, just the, just yeah. the sort of like you know, descendants of the BBS trade wars style thing where it's mm-hmm. just more about a bunch of sort of generated systemic stuff than yeah. it is about a bunch of story stuff happening, right? In yeah, in space. Um Yeah. But yeah, Um, that, that, um, you know, it's more interesting to read about Starflight than it is to play it at this point. I think it's, you know, you can just go play it on archive.org, but it's, it's cumbersome in a way that this is not.
2: It's, it's too heavy, too light, (laughs) too black, too white,
0: too wrong,
3: (laughs) (laughs) too right,
2: too wrong, too right.
0: It's
2: (laughs) it's, it's the, uh, if you're going to play Starflight and I've made this recommendation a bunch, play the Genesis port. Um, oh. like it, it it looks really good, the music's really good. it has tons of ease of use considerations. um The genesis port of Starflight is actually great. Mm-hmm. something um, that has
3: somehow managed to never enter my radar at all is the sequel to Starflight. and i don 't know if that's just because yeah, it trade routes wasn't of very the cloud good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it, seeing a, that box and thinking, Oh, what a cool name
2: <laughs> yeah. it's it's actually not that bad um it but it is a trading game, like it is an economics game but it's it's pretty interesting, yeah um but yeah star control too uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh just for for disclosure, so I played the Ircon masters version, mm-hmm. um Cole played the original version okay. on this, and you have some familiarity with both zach yeah i have I have, I have played, played both of them okay yeah, um and we'll we're gonna get to more generalities and kind of explain more about what this game is as we kind of start talking about the racism mm-hmm. plot, I think um because we, we we could just sit here and round table forever, but people <laughs> uh like Cole put together these notes. <laughs> That's not the only reason we should go about this. No, I know. I'm I'm just teasing. (laughs) I I just sorry. Sorry. Um, Tell us about the setup and plot hole.
0: Yeah, so when you fire this game up, there's a cutscene that kind of reveals a little bit of the history here. Um, Not as much history as is revealed in the manual, which is voluminous. Uh, But uh, you're part of this small straggler colony of humans who are stranded on this planet that is filled with precursor technology, kind of after the events of Star Control 1. Um, and the events of Star Control 1 were that the Urquan, this kind of crazy spider race, uh, you know, won with their race of combat slaves and kind of dominated humanity and the rest of this kind of like alliance of planets, right? Uh, so you are stranded and uh, kind of, uh, well, Gary, pick it up.
2: Yeah, the, um, so with that precursor technology, um, you get a rickety ship. Built, you find out that the the technology there is there to build starships and uh when you return to earth you find out that earth is under a slave shield um the alliance of free stars has disbanded um you know they have either been conscripted or are imprisoned and you have to assemble this kind of a uh, league of willing nations to <laughs> uh, to mount an offensive on the uh, on the Ur-Con, yeah. Ur-Con.
0: this is a flavor of sci-fi that i really love like the,
2: well, the... I, I like the I like what's on the game. When reading the manual, there's a lot of weird stuff about like the alien technology is so advanced that only one special mutant child <laughs> can can pilot it. And this mutant star child was able to and it like yeah. it's too complicated. Like I, I feel like they did a good job of presenting what's necessary on the screen as opposed to the the actual, you know, the manual and the fiction.
0: And that's where I got most of it. But like this nineteen yeah. seventies era like either like hyper hyper optimistic but with a lot of caveats behind like the realities of making contact with these things uh with just kind of a a dose of weirdness that you just kind
2: of don't see a lot today i i I would not call this hyper optimistic no (laughs) like i I, this, this is this is pretty bleak yeah um you know at least that where you're starting which is i think that's part of what's so neat about this is like you're starting out like really disempowered you know, like, in a way that, like, there'll be there'll be comparisons to Mass Effect in this, and, like, you guys are both fans of that series a lot, and I've talked about it a lot at length, but, like, one of the things that I noticed that was a comparison for me is that when all of the, like, rah-rah humanity stuff came mm-hmm. up in Mass Effect, it rubbed me the wrong way, and here it worked. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, yes, let's rebuild, like, these are my people, these fuckers, you know, I felt it more in this game than I did that one um probably because i was you know starting from a position of of subjugation as opposed to just you know they don't like us which is <laughs> yeah which this is, is a real scrappy underdog
3: us. story rather yeah. than a, rather than an obnoxious upstart story
2: yeah. yeah like i i like in mass effect you're george bush you know <laughs> in this one you are you know i don't know Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> let's, right. let's, let's not yeah <laughs> <I'll do that. laughs> but yeah
0: uh uh but uh man you really need to play Mass Effect too because it takes that that crazy it takes the optimism and turns it into a like it's, really, really pessimistic pessimism. I've, I've heard that
2: before yeah. too, but it's such a weird thing to be like, listen, we're gonna do something cool, but here's forty hours of an entire game to set it up. Yep. Like That's just a lot to ask, Mm -hmm. you know, like anytime that like something like gets better with a sequel, it's just hard.
5: Yeah. Uh,
3: I don't know that they explain this right at the beginning, but basically the setting that you're coming back into is one where the Urquan have taken over all of all of the races, basically, and given everybody the choice to either live under a shield that prevents space travel and become fallow slaves or to become combat thralls and fight on their side. mm -hmm. And you reach Earth, which has chosen to not fight for them
2: right yeah yeah and it 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 is uh it reminded that reminded me of half-life 2 a little bit Mm -hmm. like the way that like the earth is um subjugated under under half-life 2 where like you can you don't have to die but you can't continue Mm -hmm. you know like you can't advance and that's kind of what they do to you yeah And,
0: and you don't see anything about what life is like under that dome like, but you know, but behind the shield, so everything is kind of secondhand from this small little bastion of humanity that is kind of just orbiting around. I always just
3: imagine that it is
2: Highlander two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I, 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 almost like I would play that game if the combat was just that Highlander oh, rules sure. under the dome.
3: <laughs> just sweaty um, sword fighting.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> like Chris, just Christopher Lambert all day long, leather neck and fucking white hair, just. <laughs> give it to me
0: as your sweat meter goes up there's a greater chance of like that your sword slipping out of your grip
2: yeah yeah, yeah. it's just about managing your sweat meter and your grip meter yeah together the it's like um, metal
0: gear solid three
2: yeah yeah crossed with with uh, shadow of the colossus <laughs> crossed with some game that has a sweat meter um <laughs> so uh, mortal
0: combat for the snes
2: there we go yeah we go um this guy so this starts off the kind of tutorial um when you you go to you head to the space station and you talk to a guy with a really projecting voice um and he kind of gives you a series of things to do that serves as the tutorial and it's pretty elegant and good um even though like it doesn't really direct you after this like yeah. it's kind of a weird like having a tutorial for a game this non-linear is kind of strange because after you complete it like you know the basics but then you're just like well now what you know and <laughs> Just pick a direction and go in it, you know? It doesn't, uh, it doesn't map precisely to the rest of the game. And this is especially evident if you
3: look at the wiki and actually start looking into how the game is kind of breadcrumbed. Anything <laughs> that you're supposed to do, there are usually three or four different ways for you to find out about it <laughs> in various places, but it's a big galaxy so it's still really easy to miss stuff and what what they also what you sort of don't necessarily know is that even some of the stuff in the tutorial there are better options for doing it than doing exactly what the guy tells you like he says you know go to go to mercury and bring some radioactives back and then that basically unlocks the rest of the tutorial but you could also go to jupiter and one of its moons has some radioactives on it and is way less dangerous so you're less likely to lose crew out of your lander uh, yeah there.
2: yeah let's let's uh let's talk about resource gathering <laughs> yeah. and that kind of part like we're going to be doing a lot of this throughout the game but just to kind of explain it to people who are maybe are not familiar um so when you when you go to a planet and get in an orbit you can scan it and it has these different kind of values um and primarily you're looking at weather and heat and the number of uh tect- and the tectonic uh qualities and that's how dangerous the planet is for
0: you yeah so you're looking to keep all those kind of beneath three or four um in order to kind of minimize that and so it is it is a, a lot of measuring the risk versus the reward of what's of what's available down there
2: yeah and and when you scan you know depending on the color of the little blip it's gonna be how valuable the uh the resource is um and then you're it's a kind of a little arcade section mm-hmm. when you're doing this like of like little you know pack manning up resources while avoiding or dealing with monsters <laughs> On the and in the in the
3: PC version, you're doing that on a screen that is maybe two inches by two inches square. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah. I did. Um, <laughs> the three 3D, the 3DO version used one of the other sort of panes in the mm-hmm. interface to do it, and so you had a lot bigger field of view. Yeah, yeah. Um,
4: mm-hmm.
0: And each each uh, little lander that you deploy uses like you uh, one of your fuel units, which is more of a problem here before you get any kind of upgrade. And each yeah, lander... that's a real gotcha. Yeah, I know, right? Just kind of like, oh, you can't do any Have fun.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. You're
0: only ten minutes in though, so that's cool.
2: <laughs> the the uh, and and you also you fully crew mm-hmm. uh, your little lander unit, and that's kind of uh, crew function. Um, sometimes as currency, but mostly as hit points <laughs> in the in this uh, in this game.
3: So yeah, so and that's, your that's straight has, out of Star yeah. Control One.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that made sense. Like a lot of the stuff, I I just I was like, this is definitely a Star Control One thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, does Star Control One does the story thing end with like the the forming of the Alliance of, of Free Stars? There is like no that? story to speak of in. Right. Star that's Control so 1. weird because that's so good about this. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that this implies a backstory that would have made a great game.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the subtitle of Star Control 1 was, like, Great Battles of the Urquan Conflict, Volume 4. (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: so great! (laughs) That's very funny. Um, Yeah. Yeah,
3: But But it's, I mean, the the total amount of writing in Star Control 1 is a, a couple hundred words, probably. There are these sort of, like, pictures and descriptions of each of the ships that kind of illustrate the personality of the race and you get a tiny little window that's maybe you know 50 by 100 pixels that is an animated version of the captain Mm. of the ship and that's where like you know a lot of the a lot of the races are present in both games and these paintings that they use in
2: this one they're sort of extrapolated out from these tiny little pixel art Mm. pictures from the first game yeah that's a bummer like i'm i'm i it's I was kind of hoping when I first played this and liked it so much that it was gonna be like a Fallout Two Fallout situation. <laughs> where like Fallout Two is better than Fallout, but if you haven't played Fallout, you should play Fallout because it's it's really, really great as well. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it sounds like that's definitely not the case. Um but there's not, there's really not that much to resource gathering and mining on oh. a planet. You can eventually get some upgrades for your your lander that'll make it immune to weather and heat. Um, but it's not very robust um and there's not a lot of i mean there i spent a lot of time kind of going planet to planet looking for for gold you know so to speak but there it's rare the planet that has something else on it kind of the artifact or the uh the old bit of technology you'll be directed to like it's uh yeah, there's a lot there here, are
3: relatively a lot of empty few things space. the resource gathering elements i think are the one part of the game that doesn't necessarily hold up yep. and and it's in the original PC version there was a bug where you could sell landers that you didn't have and just max out your RUs like right off of the right off the bat mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. i always did when playing it because that felt more fun than actually going blindly out to find planets with minerals on them to go yeah. back and just buy more fuel to do that again yeah, yeah. it seems um, like
0: that loop can be what Takes up most of your time when you're playing this, and maybe it was designed around like okay, like there's a part of this where you're you know gathering and managing these resources and venturing a little bit of that in order to you know to go out and you know see the see if you can bring back more than you put into it. Um, and there was a
3: hint book that listed the locations of mineral-rich worlds among a lot of other things, which eh, it's a little little mercenary, I guess. But
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know, when yeah. when uh, Kevin from Video Games Hot Dog played it as as a kid, he had. A map that he had printed out that he mm. got from somebody that was like, "These are the places to go to get a lot of minerals on these planets," which would have dramatically changed the experience. I think relative to just
2: going in blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there and, are and a can... lot
3: of planets. Yeah,
2: yeah, it, it it is a big empty empty space, and like, I can I can get into the grind of mm-hmm. like the like I'm you know I'm going out on these expeditions to try to bring stuff back. Like I can dig that. It's not the strongest part of the game by any means, mm-hmm. um, but I have some affection because a lot of Starflight is that. Yeah. Um and and it's you know that that made me feel like nostalgic for it. Um but the fact that it's not so strong um is kind of ameliorated by the fact that it's so painless. Like mm-hmm. your guy really zips around um the planet are tiny. Oh yeah, on the on the planets. I thought you were yeah. talking about in the solar system oh, I'm like no, not right should, away. You, no no, you're 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 controlling a Kingsfield 4 yep. like in in space. <laughs> like uh it, it it has the worst turning radius of pretty much anything yeah. uh, returning speed rather um but the actual resource gathering is zippy mm-hmm. um which i appreciate and you can just you know hit escape and just immediately leave mm-hmm. with no uh no consequences and the main uh, ship itself you can upgrade
3: the speed and the turning radius for your sort of you know moving around inside systems but it just i don't know it just sort of feels like a ui tax mm-hmm. at that point because you, i guess there's a little bit of like moving around to avoid ships inside systems but largely it's just like how easy do we want to make it for you to overshoot this planet and have to slowly (laughs) turn around and thrust back to land on it and that that always was just like okay i mean i get that you 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 got to give us the opportunity to make the ship better because that feels good to justify the grind of going out and do the mineral hunting and whatever but Mm -hmm. it's uh, especially on repeat playthroughs that is like you know i'm just gonna grab a
2: save editor (laughs) yeah and just (laughs) at this point um, we we mentioned we dropped RU's. Our um, use are resource units, which is a, a smart thing that this game does is yeah. uh, make all resources a universal currency. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just kind of bring back a bunch of garbage, and the guy they have replicators, on the uh, space shape and space station, and we'll just uh, you know turn it into whatever you need to turn it into. So uh, having a universal currency and this is really great. Whereas like again, I keep you know bring up Starflight just because I have that as a point of reference, but like each individual mineral was tracked and sometimes oh. you'd have to make repairs and would need like i need zinc um <laughs> you know and would have to like try to find a planet that had zinc
3: the uh, ship is getting a cold
2: yeah yeah,
0: yeah yeah um okay so i'm trying to build the ship but i have no copper or gold so it has no wires yeah we just launch it oh. and it just drifts yeah
2: yeah hmm yeah but uh so after you um so when you first ran into this guy uh he tells you to go get that radioactive material uh for mercury, but as uh zach mentioned you can go go elsewhere and get it um a little bit quicker and then uh when you head back um and you've done this kind of task for him he all of a sudden believes you like he was you know <laughs> this guy was the the you know kind of the the major domo um of the the human occupied forces and was kind of on you know not on the Iroquan side but was like their trusted Person living in fear, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's like, you know, well, well let's do it. You know, yeah. we have this, we have a shot. Like, we never actually wanted to become enslaved. We just didn't want to see everyone die. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, you know, let, let's let's make a go of it.
0: Yeah, and your first step is to go uh, take out the base on the moon that is observing you.
2: Yes, yeah. We also we didn't mention um, when you first approach Planet Earth. Um, there's an Urquan, uh satellite mm-hmm. or scout or what's the word I'm looking for? Drone.
5: Yeah.
2: Um, waiting out there who reports on you essentially and just says, Hey, we're going to go get the Orquan and then leaves. And that, that's all there is to it, which gives this amazing sense of impending yeah. doom. Like, I didn't know whether they meant like they're going to be back like in five minutes <laughs> or, or in years, which is actually the case.
0: Yeah. Like this said, this sets up the time limit. There are two distinct time limits that happen.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, sort of what, what actually happens there, the, the drone leaves, but then that ill ship intercepts it to oh, try and take yeah, the glory shit. for you're himself right. oh, yeah. so you're they right, right. they don't like they, you you are right that there is this like years-long clock and impending timer mm-hmm. but what that i think that was supposed to happen in in shorter order mm-hmm.
2: yeah uh, so you're you're right i i i knew that would happen but i didn't put them together for some reason because mm-hmm. i had that sense of dread and then later ran into the Illrath who say like hey remember that drone <laughs> you know we took care of him yeah and so. uh
0: so, uh, uh, yeah, you go and uh, t- take a look at this thing on the moon, which is abandoned.
2: <laughs> yeah, which is a cool. That's a cool twist. Like it is creepy. Like mm-hmm. the idea that you know they've just set up these automated, uh, you know, uh, pushing machines to mm-hmm. just kind of push bull, dust bull around. around. Moon dozers. Yeah. Moon dozers. Yeah. bulldozers. That's the word I'm looking for. Oh, Thank man. you. Thank you for helping me with my words.
0: Yes, we're going to uh, we're going to take care of all these craters, guys. We're going to have this thing smooth as a baby's
2: bottom. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um but uh I, I love what this eventually turns into with the spathy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and when you come back, that's when the Illwraith come in and say, Yo, we we took care of these Urquan guys. And this is your first uh your first fight. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um so we should talk about that a little bit. Um I think we covered a lot of that in the, the generalities yeah. um kind of portion of things. But um yeah, it's like a dog fight. You can only fight you control a fleet, but you can only fight one on one. Like everyone just lines up to do honor duels. Kung um, Fu rules. Yeah. 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 Which like that was that was I understand why it's that way, but that it was always frustrating to me when I was experimenting with this and dying. Mm -hmm. Like, why are not my guys helping? Like I could, you know, I've got 12 of them (laughs) help. Um, But yeah, you just kind of, you know, every ship controls differently, including your flagship. And uh, you just kind of maneuver around with asteroids controls and shoot, you know, and kind of, you know, take advantage of or avoid this gravity well in the middle.
3: Mm-hmm. Every ship has a primary and a secondary weapon. Um, yeah. and some, of the, some of the secondaries are not actually weapons, but basically movement and then two abilities. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me forever to realize that there were special attacks.
3: Yeah, me too. I didn't realize <laughs> that until way late. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to...
3: Th- I don't even know what button you pressed to do that because I never handled the fights myself.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, you, you can map it, and I saw that there was a a map for a second fire button, but I didn't realize that meant it was secondary fire um i i I guess i missed those you know couple letters that turned one thought into the other but uh but yeah i mapped it to something really illogical and so i never like stumbled on it
3: they sort of fail to demonstrate it too because the ilrath ships normally they have a flamethrower and they have a cloaking device but this one goes out of its way to not have a cloaking device Mm, so Mm. as to not
2: make it hard
3: Um,
2: but then you also don't realize that each ship has two verbs yeah right off the bat yeah um, but you know you take you take care of this guy, and we'll talk more about these the Elrath a little bit later. Yep. Um, they have a great arc, mm-hmm. I, I think. I like their story a lot. Yeah. Um, and you, you know you head back to Captain Guy. Um, he talks about how you can make upgrade your ship. It's modular. You can uh, make changes. You can sell things for the price you paid for them, which is great. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. yeah, and you and you just kind of you know upgrade your turning radius and speed a lot, mm-hmm. and give yourself maybe a storage tank.
4: Yeah,
2: and uh, he also acts as a as a Wikipedia. <laughs> essentially, for the races that he knows about and kind of the galactic history that he knows about, you're going to learn a lot more. But you can get a baseline from him.
0: Yeah, he is a he is a valuable resource. A with these bulletins that he gives you uh, periodically when you come back, uh, relaying information from the science team and this codex thing. Which when I saw that he was going to do that, I was like, all right, I'm going to get a snack. This is gold cool
2: yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> this is gold <cool> time. <laughs> this is gold cool time. The, Go have uh, a the, cold one. The the, uh, the 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 him doing the science team updates is miraculous mm-hmm. when you have the speech version uh-huh. because the conjunctive conjunctive he uses is also. So he's constantly just like and we did this. Also, we, we something 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 something. Also, we he just says it really declaratively.
3: Yeah. I was a little Great. nervous about the voice acting on the strength of this one guy when I yeah, me, went me back too, to the 3 do version,
2: because <laughs> people had praised it, and I was like, "This guy," and I was like, "Okay, this guy is fine," mm-hmm. but he is—he is just he is kind of yelling at me. <laughs> um, you know, every, every word. And then, you know, later I found out how delightful everyone else is. Yeah.
0: So I played the non-speech version and, uh, I, I went on YouTube and, you know, for about an hour or so earlier today, just kind of, you know, listened to a bunch of it and got a sense for all of the different deliveries for the different voices. And they're delightful. Um, they got like friends and family to do the, to be the cast on that.
2: Mm-hmm. um which and they do a really good job like usually when you're bad-mouthing voice acting you're like oh they just grabbed some some intern mm-hmm. and have to do it but they did
3: they did great yeah these are these are better than a lot of union scale voice actors
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i like I, I chalk that up to direction like when you listen to that, like oh, like they they knew what they wanted this to sound like, and they just got different people with the with the right kind of voices. to Yeah, and I to,
3: guess to if you're not pay, if you're not having to pay them very much, you can just nope do it again. Yep, nope do it again. <laughs>
2: yeah. Or you don't get dinner. <laughs> or you don't get dinner. Yeah, yeah. child. <laughs> yeah, family. There's yeah.
3: apparently twelve hours of recorded VO in yeah. the three D O version.
0: It's crazy. I, I I don't know. I I have trouble uh understanding the scale of that and how they put that on a on a 1x it was,
3: disc. It was pre-MP3, yep. 12 hours of audio of reasonable quality on a CD-ROM. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that, you know there's got to be some some
0: trick, p- some kind of compression, right, like
2: yeah, one simple trick, yeah, uh,
0: the... but uh what I will say about the text only version um i got I got too far into it to like pull back and say, "Oh well, I'll just do the Urquhart masters uh one, um but uh they do a really good job, kind of like Monkey Island or some of the earlier Lucas games of. Putting comic timing into, into the pauses, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that they break things up. And so as you're kind of filling it in with a, with a little voice inside your head that all of us have when you're reading stuff, like, it totally turns into this, this awesome facsimile of, of a vocal performance just, well, the, just the, by the way they pace
2: it. And, and the fonts. Mm-hmm. Like, that was also – that was something that really impressed me is, like, every race yeah. has its own, like, really colorful, expressive font. To where, like, you could get an idea of what this thing would talk like without even hearing its voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, like, I've complained on the show about voice acting before and how I feel like it's not always additive. Mm-hmm. This is a wonderful example of additive voice acting. Like, this does a really good job. You know, it's here for a reason. It's not just here because people can't read anymore. Like, it's here because it adds to characterization. And that's, you know, it's great. It's like a master class in that. It's super good. Um, love that. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Um, One of the things that is interesting, um, just again, just little tiny details, when you're talking to this guy and getting your history of the universe, um, the idea that um, not only do the Urquan put you under the slave shield, but they destroy anything that's older than 500 years old, which turns like the Urquan, you know, turning you into a fallow slave race into like a weird act of historical violence and cultural, you know, uh, cultural violence as opposed to just, you know, enslavement. You know, like it's not enough. They want to take away your history too, you know. It it is enough to like to they want to erase it as a civilization. Like if you if you're not going to join us, you can't be. Mm-hmm. You know. You don't exactly find out about this this early in the game, but is the, is it reasonable to
3: talk about the doctrinal conflict at this point? Do you think? <laughs> I think so. Good. Right, the the Urquan that you know from the previous game are they mostly just want to enslave everyone else in the in the world, and as you find out more of their backstory, you find out that it's because they were enslaved in the past and didn't like it, so mm-hmm. they want to make sure that that never happens again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's an offshoot of the Irquan species, the Korah, that have. They have the same goal, but they want to eliminate the possibility of ever being enslaved again. So they just want to destroy all other life in the universe. And they're in the middle of a war over whether the right way to do this is to kill everyone or to <laughs> enslave everyone.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I love I'll love take the <laughs> crab juice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I,
0: I love it when uh, the, your enemy having a civil war is not good for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh
4: yeah, I say well, we they, skin them.
2: I say we tattoo them. <laughs> uh, I say we let them go. The the uh, it also like that's a really interesting kind of play on the cycle of abuse mm-hmm. too. Like that you know this race had this happen to them. How do you react to that as a people? And these are both kind of like you know immoral and terrible reactions, but logical reactions. Yeah, which is kind of sophisticated and neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like that as a basis for a civil war. Like it would have been very easy to make one of them like sympathizers you know, or like people who wanted peace and versus people who wanted war, you know, like that's a very easy dichotomy to make and they didn't do that. And I really appreciate that. Yeah.
0: And the way the different races kind of interact with that and either embrace it or, you know, shrink from it, uh, kind of, I think speaks a lot to, again, the characterization, uh, characterization, like when you go to Pluto and you find, you know, FWFO, who is Mm -hmm. like with the Spaffy, uh, spathy rather, <laughs> huffy, fluffy, fluffy, oh, guffy, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, like each of them kind of has, that has their own, their
2: own relationship to that, to that abuse. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about heading to, to Pluto, which you don't, uh, you don't have to do, right? Right. Like, um, I was just exploring all the planets in the system because, you know, I knew <laughs> them and it, they seemed manageable. But I can't remember if there's something that says, like, hey, go to Pluto. Nope. it turns out to be pretty um, pretty important. Now,
3: well, the captain says there are some signals coming from the direction of pause Uranus. <laughs> oh, <gotcha>. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that,
0: that, that's just the precursor tracker.
3: Uh, but I think that's the only clue. I mean, I guess they expect that you would go to all the planets in the system. Because mm-hmm. you're not, there's basically no chance of you having gotten bored with checking out planets yet
0: mm-hmm. at yeah. this point. No. Yeah. But you go there and uh his his base shoots your your drone or your probe uh killing everybody on it and it's like oh my bad uh, and yeah. yeah, he's like this super skittish, super neurotic kind of kind of guy who's uh, who admits that he abandoned his post on the moon. He was left there as part of the as part of the combat thrall, uh and he drew the short the short straw once he realized once once they all realized that oh the Iroquois aren't coming back because they've got this on lockdown, and he is kind of that last remnant. So he set up this this decoy base that you saw, and s- <laughs> he put uh, he put a Spathy Porno on the uh on on the transmitter in order to make it look like there was some kind of uh, some kind of communication going from it that the Earthlings yeah. couldn't couldn't get
2: like was, i just love the cowardice yeah th- that's awesome too and there's there's a weird like goofy sexual sense of humor including like a race later where like you can only see their genitals um but <laughs> they, you know they they don't actually you know they are surprised that you can but they just look like floating their version of <laughs> genitals um to them
3: if uh the the a lot of the personality i think of the the race fell out of the what their their ship design was i mean it was mm-hmm. the the spathy eluder in the first game <laughs> and you don't find this out except in a screenshot that I thought was from Star Control 2, but apparently is only from Star Control 1. The secondary attack of the, the Spathy ship is the butt, the backwards-utilizing tracking torpedo, mm-hmm. which is one of the only, ga- <laughs> the only weapons in the game that fires out the back of the ship. So, yep. like, you're very much just meant to run away from stuff.
0: <laughs> I think yeah. even their, uh, their regular fire uh, shoots out the back. Like, that, that made them incredibly useful. Um, and kind of like reading about that turned it into a priority for me to ally with them so I could make those, make those ships.
2: Yeah. F- Fufo is solid. Yeah. Like he, he's a solid ally.
0: Yeah. And you get him and I made sure to keep him alive for as long as possible. It does kind of point out how, at least
3: for me, it seemed almost weird to have named individual guys in the other races because the entire race is really the character. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. slightly less so with the Spathy because you go and you actually talk to, like, a group of them eventually. But mm-hmm. that's the only thing I think that ever has, like, a different portrait yeah. for multiple members of the species because it's
2: it's very much like the race
3: is the character.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so so uh, he also he gives you the coordinates of the Spathy homeworld and tells you their secret uh, passphrase, <laughs> uh, Huffy Muffy Guffy. And uh, and joins your crew. And that's kind of kind of be, you know, the mechanical or the concrete um outcome of making these alliances mm-hmm. is that they will allow you to build their ships um and or just accompany you. Yeah. And uh you need to be have an alliance to build the ship because only their captains can can drive the ships. Yeah. And then you're just kind of set free. Yeah. Like go out, you know, at any point you can talk to the captain guy and say, like, hey, what would you do if you were in my shoes? And he'll say, like you know you need to make some some contacts you need to upgrade your ship these are the ways you need to upgrade your ship but the actual hows of that are are really kind of left up to you Mm -hmm. so you just kind of go off into the universe which is great like it is a it is a really good moment you know Mm -hmm. when you realize that you have this huge expanse in front of you like it feels really neat Um, And if you're doing the loop in the way it's intended with the mining where you're kind of making uh, increasingly greater concentric circles around your home base, um, kind of exploring, like you're going to run into some aliens doing this Mm -hmm. um, and get a taste of like the smaller version of what the game is about.
3: Yeah, the larger galactic map always tracks these spheres of influence of different races. And when you are in those spheres, you will get random encounters in hyperspace that just have you talk to yes of that race
2: yeah Yep. so if you head and that's
3: any where of you end years up years. discovering a lot of new stuff and learning a lot of new stuff or you know getting killed and having to reload from an earlier save
0: <laughs> yeah yep depending on the disposition of the race
2: yeah so speaking of so we're going to kind of go through the races and talk about uh, what they're like and in their interactions and that's going to be the bulk of the rest of this episode mm-hmm. um so we're going to start off with the uh the next race the uh the mel Normé, aka the velvet fog <laughs> the velvet fog. <laughs> is that a voice thing that's that's Tor- Mel Torme's. Oh, okay, all oh, right. Yeah, the fact that this race is it, like so
3: is it, just a joke about Mel Torme. Like, <laughs> yeah. It it just demonstrates how they just skirted this knife edge of stupidity <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> like because the, like this is, I, you know, I'm I'm probably more susceptible to this kind of stuff than people who aren't huge dorks. But mm-hmm. like the sense of sort of mystery and scope. Mm -hmm. Of the stuff going, like this is one of the only games that makes me give half a shit about the lore, right? That's Mm -hmm. normally like a word that I will say with a little bit of a sneer, but like it's great in this game, (laughs) (laughs) and it's great in spite of the fact that one of the races is named after Mel Torme with one (laughs) letter switched.
0: It's great in spite of, or for reasons that are tangential to, the fact that they. And like outside of that, that reference, which I feel very, I feel very bad about not getting.
2: um, You just didn't watch enough Night Court as a kid. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. That's why I knew it. And I figured you'd be really up on your Night Court.
0: No, man. uh, Night Court was one of those ones that didn't show up on Naked Night until after my Reign of Terror. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, so as we get from the like the early '80s, from like uh, from like th- Three's Company on, it starts getting really hazy until you get the <laughs> stuff that I that I actually like watch concurrent, like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So, stuff I- from like '84 to '90, I'm really hazy on because that was my naked night blind spot. So what I about the later you...
3: wealth of Golden Girls references? Is that going to be <laughs> you know, lost on you also?
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I had Golden Girls. I, I have a, I have a little bit of catalog on that because my brother loved that show and forced me to watch it. Same thing uh, with Cheers.
2: I, I thought you were going to say that um, you didn't know this because it was a show that your parents didn't allow you to watch. <laughs>
3: My parents, Again, there were no rules.
2: Tennis, trying to imagine, yeah. like, uh, parents who are just like, you know, magic's the devil. Yeah, and they just hate magicians. Magician, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't watch a Night Court. Yeah. Yeah. Marky That's... Post is too salacious. <laughs> the, 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 they guys, don't like, think men should shave uh, their
1: uh, heads.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 that John cat, he has substance abuse problems. <laughs> You're going to listen to a podcast <laughs> with his son in 20 years. But... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so... <laughs> I will I will gladly admit that I do not have catalog on that.
2: Well, tell me, if you can't tell me about Mel Torme, tell me about the Mel Norme.
0: The Mel Norme. So this is a merchant race, right? And uh, they are kind of like hanging around uh, on these uh, major stars in order to gather biological information um, and also kind of these... Uh, um uh coordinates for special rainbow planets which have some kind of link with the precursors um in order to kind of like give you company script uh these credits yeah. which are distinct it, from your RUs
2: itchy and scratchy bucks yep from from them in mm-hmm. order to uh and it, it it is this is the big reason to capture alien life forms mm-hmm. like on planets it's like if you something's biologically rich like this is the reason why you want to go there mm-hmm. that yeah.
3: said the economy of the rainbow worlds versus actually you know going down and shooting aliens and taking the data back is so mm-hmm. tilted in favor of the rainbow worlds that like
2: well, I, you can afford everything absolutely.
3: five times <laughs> over if you get all the rainbow worlds but it's just well, you know I, there's the the biological stuff is more plentiful i guess
2: well mm-hmm. exactly like you're gonna stumble across biological worlds like getting the rainbow worlds is is a quest yeah, yeah, you know, it's fine them
0: eventually like so I, d- I did a couple of loops on gathering on gathering that and by the time I got to a certain point, I was like, I totally understand the system, I would just like to get access to these upgrades, I went around and got as many rainbow worlds as I could, and then brought mm-hmm. it back and then, you know, kind of use that to get up to this place where, like, after I have that appreciation. So I will admit, I looked up some coordinates on those.
3: Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things where I feel like somebody coming to this fresh nowadays is maybe better off with the wiki open in another tab mm-hmm because yeah. you get at least for stuff like that you get so much more out of it so much more quickly mm-hmm. if you're willing to just kind of skirt around the the grindier bits of it
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and uh like a really great part of this is you can use those credits to get kind of the last known whereabouts of these, of these different races, right? So your commander back on the space station around Earth can, can give you a little bit of a history lesson, but these guys know what's up. So this becomes a really good way to point you in the direction of, of these races and give you an idea of what's happening.
2: Yeah, that, and that that's huge. Like this is how you're going to get information in the game, and that's the main thrust of the the main adventure is just kind of keeping notes mm. and and finding you know, <sighs> writing down coordinates, and it's like <laughs> yeah, it's cool as down to shine. Um, <laughs> again, <laughs> this is it. This is a really cool game. Um, and there's the, a cool uh, thing
3: actually in the PC version that they didn't record VO for, uh, so it wasn't in the Urquan Masters where the Melnorme guy will tell you what the total clock like the death clock for the game is mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because he has this device that that changes color as it gets closer to the time at which it will be destroyed <laughs> yep. and he says it's getting darker and I'm getting the hell out of here in January of 2159 so mm-hmm. I would suggest that you do the same yep, <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, yeah which that, that's, that's the only time I think that's ever really spelled out
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know you don't I mean through the rest of the quest you can kind of learn what the character of the threat is but uh but yeah that is that that is one of the major clocks that is put on this. I also love that he will not tell you why his background changes color when he goes into deal mode. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yep, yeah. <laughs> the price is just so high. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's those guys eventually you can summon them which is super super handy. Yeah. Initially hunting them down when you want them is a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um you know because it's really trial and error. Uh but you soon enough you get the ability to do so. Um, but the one set of coordinates we have Without even talking to uh, the Velvet Fog Are for the Spathy So we can head to the Spathy homeworld So let's talk Spathies.
0: Yeah, so the Spathy We saw one of them uh, before And he, he was really indicative of how they act Which is incredibly cowardly <laughs>
2: yeah they're they 're super cowardly, but also like when you get you 're getting your briefing from the captain on them they 're like imagine a cowardly slime creature with a howitzer attached or something like that like he has this whole thing about how they 're actually pretty tricky, which foreshadows how useful they are in combat mm-hmm.
0: yeah so they are uh they are opportunists uh they're very 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 selfish, and uh you know they have a they have kind of this weird relationship with 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 uh the uh, the Urquan. And you realize this after you do their quest for them, they only understand dictatorship.
2: Well, it's it's not only that, didn't they, um they accidentally subsume themselves to slavery? They they like,
3: intended to become fallow slaves, but a, they,
2: oh, yeah, a, pr- pr- act- a prank yeah, by accident- the
3: umga oh, resulted in them becoming combat thralls. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they accidentally they gave them the wrong thing and became combat thralls. <laughs> so that's why that's so good. Um and the umga like that's, that's those pranks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the real Ashton Kutcher of space. Yeah. 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 Ashton catches P- pranks. Pekunked. Yeah. You, you got
4: peckunk.
5: <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. But but uh you have to find them so you go to the coordinates and there's no planet there's no planet there there's a it's a decoy planet like that's their home planet and uh, you have to go find where they ran to and uh they send you on this questy thing in their words to rid their home planet of the ultimate evil which are these just ultimately harmless stupid doe-eyed
2: monkey rats they, to me they look like et's
3: yeah i always read them as et huh
2: yeah they, they have like the same body shape as et and i was like why are there so many et's <laughs> on this planet it's ET's own planet. Yeah, like finally. you know,
3: that's a thing that actually. Uh, this game is not afraid to abstract out the scale of things to mm-hmm. just make them comprehensible and fun from a gameplay point of view. Mm-hmm. Like you know, this, oh, yeah. any any planet that has a building on it has one building and yeah. it's the size of a continent.
2: Well, you and know? and the the planet is the size of like ten car lengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the planet is really really small. Like everything is pretty abstracted. Like they they do a good job of focusing down. Yeah, on that
0: keeping it at a scale to maximize the interestingness of any individual thing you're doing.
2: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is, it got harder and harder to do as games increased in fidelity. And it's, and it's nice to see a,
2: a case where that really works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you, when you fulfill your end of the bargain, they try to uh, renege on you and uh, you have to threaten them with releasing the, uh, the ETs onto them. <laughs> and then they, they just kind of get it, you know? And like, it's, it's a really funny conversation. Like, you know, someone just saying something is very funny. Doesn't tend to express any of the humor. Like, I heard a good joke. Was it good? Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> the end. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, that doesn't work. But it is a very funny, like, where you're about to be, treat them with kindness, which is your instinct as a video game player. Mm-hmm. But really, the game of this game is figuring out these races and what they respond to, mm-hmm. um, which is not always what your your instincts are as a lawful good human protagonist that's really
0: sophisticated like yeah uh, the, the closest analog that we've done that treats dialogue this way would be like alpha protocol
2: yeah exactly that, that remind me of that a little bit like where it's like it's about figuring out how people will respond to things um which is really cool like that's a cool mechanic and it's something that I, I would like to see more like gaming people's personalities is a really cool kind of thing to do in a video game
4: mm-hmm.
2: um yeah, yeah so the, eventually they they make this uh, alliance with you Mm-hmm. um you know they decide to align with you and uh rebel against the uh so they send you know send a representative to to build ships mm-hmm. and they tell you about the umga which we'll we'll talk about in a little bit yeah
0: um but uh if you come back a little bit later this is this is a couple hours into the game after you've done some more stuff uh you find out that they learned about the shield technology from you and they replicated it so yeah. <laughs> so they're turtled up uh and you you stop being able to uh to build their ships um, yeah because of that's that. all
2: they wanted though like they're, they're literally just like they did the alliance in order to learn how to be a slave <laughs> on a on planet which is great
0: yeah so when you when you, when you go there and find this out they'll leave a little note for you uh, you find the umgok caster which gets rid of that searching for the the, the velvet fog problem
2: yeah uh, did,
0: did, is... did i do that right did i is that the is that a goof yeah did that sentence makes sense okay that's cool. a goof okay a yay goof. um <laughs> yeah uh yeah you just kind of blow this horn and uh ml norme will come and find you as yeah. long as you're in hyperspace
2: and and they would come and find you if you ran out of fuel mm-hmm. in hyperspace as well um it should be noted um you don't use fuel inside a star system so you can only you can't run out there you can only run out uh out in hyperspace right. um yeah so let's talk Baconk that's the other real nearby race mm-hmm. to, to the to the lower left
0: <laughs> these are bird creatures whose beaks take up the whole screen
2: yeah <laughs> yeah they're 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 like big pterodactyl uh looking things
0: mm-hmm and they're psychic. Um, in the voice acting, am I wrong in saying they sound like Julia Child?
2: That's say That's that's fair. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but uh, you ask for an alliance, and they don't really have anything to offer you. Uh, probably because you ask them, "Do you have any Fruit Loops?" Which it's good to know that the Fruit Loops brand is still going strong. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> Three hundred years <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't. They 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 even have like they're they're made with even more fruitier taste. Yeah, they're made with more fruit.
0: Yeah, t- t- um, fruits from other worlds
2: yeah exactly head fruit is a deep uh star flight cut um for the analog from from that game the um yeah and the, these guys they don't really it's one of these interesting things where like they play a part in somebody aligning with you but they don't actually mm-hmm. technically align with you like they wish you well they give you tons of good information but they just give you a little booster pack of, of ships and they love you and they're really nice yep so, and their ship is the one that the the secondary attack is just to yell insults right is it, i that i don't, I'm not sure I never I did like that. i didn't get the, I didn't get the secondary attack until so late. Yeah. The game, and it is, the, like, I nice. remember
3: seeing it written into the fiction somewhere that they're so they're so like new age and hippy dippy and nice that in order to fight, they have to sort of whip themselves into a frenzy. <laughs> and they do that by just insulting by hurling insults <laughs> at the opposing ship.
0: So is it a buff like it? It uh, Oh, it recovers, recovers crew it or something, does right? Mechanically. Yeah, I think I think it actually you're right. This is a really good ship because they can heal themselves. Like they insult somebody so hard that their friends come back to life. <laughs> <laughs> And they also
3: they have like a, every time one of the Pekunk ships gets killed, it has a fifty fifty chance of just respawning because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they reincarnate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: they exist in all hippies. timelines at once, so they can just shunt reality over to a different one where they didn't get hit. Which, is, <laughs> and which they is are badass. a sort of
3: offshoot of the Yee Hat, and I don't remember when that happened in the, I, in, the in the
2: fiction. Yeah. Yeah, it, that, that is another thing that I assumed happened in Star Control One.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the E I had like, existed in Star Control One, and the Pecunk
0: did not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sure happened between
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happened between the lines.
0: Um, As you're going around through these races, uh, certain quests will net you these uh, these colored artifacts. Uh, and in this instance, the the Pekunk just say, hey, we have this clear spindle. Uh, you know, it was holding our CDRs, but we want to give it to you because, uh, well, really, we can't say of why. you a Yep. You have a lot of bagel sandwiches you want to carry to into work. Hack. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you want your bagel sandwich to taste like shitty plastic from Korea? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: is a spindle. I would you say
3: that one of those would hold a lot of bagel sandwiches. <laughs> you could get maybe two on there unless you buy a lot more CD roms than I ever did.
2: <laughs> I, I, I eat bagel thins exclusively. <laughs> so. With just weird
3: defective pancakes. I guess you could get a lot of those on
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're donuts that never rose. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's the closest thing I get to a donut these days, boys. Um the, uh, they also, they, t- they give you one of these awesome details about the Ilrath, mm-hmm. which I love, because the Illrath we had that one run-in with, and we know that they're shitheads, uh, but they say that their gods might not actually be real. They're <laughs> twin gods of, like, is it, like, misery and destruction? Something like that. Yeah, it's, like, two are, like, you know, misery and unhappiness or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that those are they may not be real, like, plays up later and is super cool.
3: The clear spindle and all the other artifacts that are like that also comes right out of Starflight, right? Like yeah, all absolutely. of the the code wheel for Starfleet was or for Starflight was a bunch of just adjective noun. And that's the name of an artifact that you can find.
2: Yes. in, or in Star... Can you do those exist as actual objects in the game? Yes. So that you'd find them on planets the same way you would find them here or you'd trade them um, in Starflight. More of them had a mechanical effect. So there were a couple of them that were like these are the end game keys, but I feel like there were more of them and they did need stuff. Yeah, like there was the, one... for
3: for all the the fact that there is a system for having artifacts in your hold. The, this game does not have very many objects right. that you can get, no. and almost all of them are plot critical.
2: Yeah, yeah. There there's a couple of them that that do things, um, but even the ones that like they're when they do things, they're not utility wise you know like what, you use one to to fulfill this Ilrath plot but that's not you don't have to do that and it just it's a mono purpose thing um you know it's not a blender it's a uh you know i don't know a juicer <laughs> like it, it just it just does one thing um i feel like they're a little bit more utilitarian in, in starflight it's the rock cool. yeah um let's talk about the uh the shadowy kojima organization the Arli lulale as <laughs> <Yep. laughs> you fight here yeah, I love uh, when you talk or, to. Uh, fight.
0: Uh, what, what's up?
2: Or you don't fight them? I said you fight them, but oh, I yeah. meant to say find.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so your your commander back on Earth, when you ask about the Aralu, he gets really upset. Like, oh my gosh, these those the, those stupid bastards, because these are the Martians of our myth.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, these are, these guys probe us and kidnap us and such.
0: Mm-hmm but it's for a good purpose so the way that you find these guys I totally had to use a guide for um before before I started using them more um more prolifically throughout the rest of the game there's this portal that opens and closes on certain days of the month and so you mm-hmm. have to go through that to kind of this side reality called quasi space which eventually acts like your fast travel
2: yeah and has super spooky music yes like I always was like bad things are gonna happen to me in quasi space but that didn't that didn't actually happen that reveal was oh,
3: th- actually later on. Well, there, there was some stuff that was supposed to be in there that they ended up cutting from the mm-hmm. game, but um, the reveal that quasi space is a thing, I can still remember that moment of like f- from my first playthrough where it was unspoiled. Like th- going to the because a bunch of different people will tell you about the star that appears and disappears in the sky at certain times, right? And mm-hmm. so you just go to the coordinates that they mention and wait you know, 15 minutes or whatever. <laughs> and it pops up and then it's like, whoa, what is this? It just mm-hmm. becomes a sort of like second order hyperspace.
0: So was it like a sense of wonder? Or was it that? Yeah, you know, It was,
3: it was just like, holy crap. Where did this come from? Like I was not expecting there to be another thing like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's something like, that's a feeling I chase in games where you realize there's one level up from that. Like my, my go-to moment for like a sense of mystery in a game is the second you find out that, in Super Mario 3 you can hold down on a white platform to drop into the background Hmm. and then all of a sudden every possible block becomes a potential source of mystery. You know? Like like some other different way to look at and treat this game. So I'm kind of sad that this was spoiled for me just in the for the, you know, purpose of getting through it for the show.
3: That time, things that are timed on the fictional clock was a thing that happened a lot more I feel in games in the 80s and 90s and
2: I'm kind of glad it's gone yeah yeah me too Um, it's it's a it's a bummer one of my favorite text adventures is uh Frederick Pohl's gateway and that game is egregious with that like (laughs) it's one of my favorites because I played it when I was young not because it's great and uh there's there's so many like be at this place at 0800 hours puzzles (laughs) um and they they just don't it just keeps happening it's over like, and over and over. it's like, uh, it's like Dark Seed.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's possible to do it right, like say Majora's Mask, right? yeah. where it's it's on this like endless cycle. And I mean, I guess the days of the month are kind of an endless cycle in this <laughs> game, but still, it just doesn't. It feels a little clunky. Yeah. In the same way that the Moon Gates in the Ultima games, and you know, there was oh, a bunch shit. of this in like the Might and Magic series, like it's and it was just like eh. In a way, it's like it's about as much fun as like hitting T in an Elder Scrolls game to wait for a store to open. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I thanks for the verisimilitude, but (laughs) like I would have rather had that, you know, twenty minutes of my life that I've spent in total Mm -hmm. using that wait (laughs) interface. But
0: yeah. So the story behind these guys they they were watching over Earthlings in order to protect them, kind of from this horror beyond that they don't even want to tell you about because knowledge makes you makes you visible to them
2: yeah yeah Yeah. which is that's super you know that's from beyond Mm -hmm. essentially yeah the uh, the short story um and that's super cool and i love their like the contrast of that with their demeanor Mm -hmm. like they're so calm about it but it like the stakes are actually arguably higher than anything that's actually in the game yep um you know but they they really undersell it and again, man, every everything that every time there was a question mark, I just put Star Control one in there. Um, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, this probably makes sense with that, but like, you know, I didn't actually do my research and finding out that that's just a combat sim. Like that at first, like that's kind of disappointing. And then actually, though, it's one of my favorite things fiction can do is throw away details that suggest volumes you know and that's that's what this is yeah like that's a cool story like what these things are doing like the idea of a alien race that has been keeping track of us to protect us from learning too much <laughs> because you know we'll we'll find these Eldric space gods if we do mm-hmm. that's and pretty if you cool ever want to
3: know whether revealing the answers to those questions is a good idea or not play star control three <laughs> that's that <laughs> pro tip I, I, don't play star <laughs> control <laughs> 3.
2: the only way to play is not to play the, uh, <laughs> i i figured that would come up because that game's got a real garbage reputation mm-hmm. um, i mean i think it
3: it probably wouldn't if it existed in a vacuum, but it had some big yeah. shoes to fill that it conspicuously failed to put feet in.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, but like it's it's a great reversal because so many of these other races were uplifted by other races beyond them, and you find out like, oh, this is one where they are actually trying to keep us down a little bit for our own protection. So it's mm. a weird mirror of kind of the the, the subjugation that happens elsewhere, right? Except it's, yep. it has to do with te- technology and, and and straight up knowledge and science as opposed to as opposed to actual freedom.
2: Yep. Yep. Um, they kind of give you a little bit of a quest uh, to go find this crashed Urquan ship. Mm-hmm. Um usually there are quantum ships when they are defeated they blow themselves up but this one the uh the mechanism that did that malfunctioned.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um so you can go there to get a warp drive which they in turn create a portal spawner which allows <laughs> you to get into quasi space whenever you like and uh you can you know fast travel as we mentioned.
0: Which it's a random, like the, 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 the positions in quasi space don't map out to where you're going to come out. It's not like a condensed version of the map. So you're going to have to find a table that says, okay, this one goes, goes here, but eventually you can memorize which ones are most useful. Like,
3: yeah, that's just that I feel like I wish they had made a different choice there. That That means like, yeah, cool, but it's, I mean, it's, it's cool to describe, but it's, it's just a bunch of bookkeeping in practice. Yeah.
2: I, again like i i constantly bringing up starflight but in starflight when you you've had these kind of uh wormholes and the way it works is depending on your character's navigation skill if he's good enough you'll be able to it'll draw just draw a line on your map like he will literally just which is something you could do mm-hmm. like, I, like this was something like the game wasn't solving for me but like literally any of my crew that had a piece of paper and pencil could do yep um which was so frustrating <laughs> about it um and that's what what happens in starflight is if you're good enough you'll actually just get a line on your map that says this mm-hmm. This maps to this, um, which is really handy. Yeah. So, you
3: also in that Crash Dreadnought, you also find the talking pet, which <laughs> is. That combination the...
2: of words is so weird to I know, me. right? Like the talking pet.
3: <laughs> but <laughs> it is, but that is like part of the, the sort of like tragic backstory of the Urquan, right? Mm-hmm. The, the The talking pet was the race that enslaved them because they were these super powerful telepaths. Mm-hmm. And when they finally, by building machines to produce constant agonizing pain, mm-hmm. which allowed yeah. them to throw off the shackles of mental domination and escaped from the the slavery of these guys they bred them down into these like sessile things that they made them act as their translators yeah yeah so it was just like this death is too good for you i'm going to make you a talking pet
0: mhm ah so yep. good yep yeah, that's great yeah and you'll notice every time you talk to an Urquod um in the game they have this little hypnotode in the bottom uh in the bottom right corner
2: um yeah yeah that's their talking pet <laughs> the uh, and he's going to he's going to come in in a big bad way later the uh, Cylandro, which are you know <laughs> you find out when you go back and check in with the captain which you should do every once in a while anyway um, you don't have to but you're going to, re- to refuel but you should always stop and talk to him because he's going to kind of give you a little bit of direction mm-hmm. um talks about the gives you a little briefing about these probes that you've probably been running into yeah.
5: um
2: these uh, mechanical probes that say they come in peace and everything and then eventually shunt to a subroutine to fight you yeah. and uh kind of weirdly like Early on in the game, they're kind of great for resource gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're good to destroy because you get a, you get five hundred RUs.
0: Yeah, because you're finding everything that uh, the, every other like ship that they decided to assimilate.
2: Exactly, <laughs> it's way more RUs than you ever get for destroying anything else in combat, mm-hmm. um, and that ends up making making sense because they're trying to break you down into component parts.
0: I would love to see like a graph of how their population grows and shrinks because it definitely doesn't feel like it is a constant until you fix this problem.
2: Oh it's,
3: yeah, I think it is just an increased like there are certain points at which it rolls for a random encounter in hyperspace, mm-hmm. and every day or every year that passes, the rate, the the chance of that encounter happening and it being one of those probes increases. Mm. Mm. So it's not like it makes it feel like there are a bunch of them out in the world, and there are more and more of them out in the world, you know, the the longer that goes by. Mm-hmm. But, mm. you know, and it does that in a really simple way mechanically.
0: Yeah. Oh. That lets you fill in the blank.
3: They also have this weird puzzle embedded in them that I did not learn about until yesterday. Oh. Where one of the ways that you can find the Slylandro homeworld is in eventually you can get them to just spit out what look like random numbers. What those numbers actually are is the the difference between your current coordinates and the coordinates of the Slylandro homeworld. With shit. the X and Y swapped. <laughs> so i think that <laughs> might have been ridiculous. one of those things that was like just too hard for anyone to figure out until <laughs> until the internet but that's amazing uh, i love that yeah, so that was too. one way of finding where the probes were coming from if you, <laughs> you were clever and dug into it
0: yeah oh wow that is really good
2: yeah that's super cool huh um unlike, uh, i didn't do that <laughs> um, yeah no, like,
3: I, I think I just, the Mel- the may will also tell you where they are that's how
2: i got it yeah
0: yeah, I think the captain even says, Hey, there's a disturbance at these coordinates or like yeah. around this the, this kind of quadrant in the in space. Like It's, it's really
3: far away from Earth. Oh, it yeah. Was, uh,
2: like yeah.
0: It's like at the far extreme upper left uh portion Did of that. the map. Yeah. I love uh, the Celandro.
2: Like, yeah, they turn out to be delightful for somebody who's being <laughs> such problems. Yeah. This
0: is this yeah. is this is probably one of my favorite little like side quests, right? Because Ah. because you go there and these are uh, it's a a gas giant, which normally you don't find life on these gas giants. These are gas people. They're clouds. Your your, uh, uh, contact there, he's called content to hover. So (laughs) I'm just picturing a whole a whole race of people who have Native American names that are just based on clouds and vapors and the different things clouds can do.
2: (laughs) Yeah, which is which is these are also the race that you can see their genitals. Yep. Like they're like, you can see our well, when a male and. Female, yeah. and like he just sounds like a real amicable dude. Like they could have really gone overboard and given this guy like a spacey cloudy voice, mm-hmm. but he just sounds like a like somebody who's there to like fix your toilet, like or like a college, like someone who's painting, you know, if in in the summer in college. Like it just sounds like a good dude, yeah. which is really great. Like I love these guys as well.
0: Yeah, but uh...
2: and these guys are weirdly right out of uh, like the sequels that Arthur C. Clarke wrote
3: to 2001. Hmm. Uh, that mm. nobody really cares about. Like part of the experiment of the monoliths was to create these beings that lived inside of Jupiter, hmm. like like these guys. But I think they weren't intelligent. Maybe in the Clark version,
0: but yeah. Does anybody remember what they uh, what they measure time by? Like it's a really weird word they use instead of hours or years. Drogs, D r a g h. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, as drag- funny drag. as I thought. Drag. Yeah. yeah, but but I just love the idea that like oh they acknowledge different places measure time differently, uh, yeah, and, and they play into that like the dialogue is super confusing because they talk about like oh yeah I met a precursor it was like three drugs ago oh so drug must be like tens of thousands like millennia
2: yeah yeah, yeah. They, they they conceptualize time on a different scale yeah uh, than than we do and you you learn like their kind of little mini story is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, which is that the the Melnoma sold them these self replicating drones, um, but they just made a programming error that makes <laughs> them shunt to that like gather new resources takes priority over <laughs> make peaceful contact. Um, I don't remember the very specifics of it, but you kind of have to talk this guy through his programming error.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so you you get him to speak it to you like two times. And you're like, okay, does anything sound wrong about that?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're really you're really kind of condescending, like. <laughs> It's a real teaching moment um, for this ancient gas race. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: but, but uh, I just love the idea of them being rooked out of this, and just like, oh no, what have we done? We're we're unintentionally the scourge of the galaxy.
3: Yeah, the story of what their society is like is cool too, because mm-hmm. like they don't really have any architecture, because whenever they build anything, it sinks into the core of the planet and is yep. destroyed because it's too
0: <laughs> dense. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they, uh, they they rise into the atmosphere to get drunk.
3: Yep. <laughs> and they, and they the, the younger ones in an effort to impress girls will go as far down as they can so that their bodies distort and become scarred by the increased gravity you and come back up with, with cool scars to show off.
2: <laughs> it's great. I just I, I love how alien that is. Yeah. Well it's it's alien, but it's all framed in like human terms. Like yep. it is the again, that razor's edge of stupidity that Zach was talking about, where like It is a really alien method of impressing girls as a teen, Mm -hmm. which is such a relatable, you know, concept, especially when you're a cool teen like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But it it is it is like that's kind of stupid, but also like a really wonderful juxtaposition of those two things.
3: It's Mm -hmm. great. Um, I mean, people have expressed a little bit of discomfort at some like, you know, we'll we'll get to the show fixedy. For instance, and there's there's a little bit of uncomfortable racial stereotyping going on, mm-hmm. but it is all done in the service of just being a shortcut for getting a lot of personality applied mm-hmm. to these to these races instead of, you know, instead of it certainly being malicious. And so I think it's uh, yeah, that it's, stuff is, is forgivable even more so than it would normally just. Oh, well, this was also, you know, twenty twenty 20 years ago.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah, and it, and it came out like what, like 10, 12 years before the Phantom Menace came out with the you know
3: um, trade, tra- federation. Yeah,
2: trade federation which is really <laughs> gross like this this at least has the benefit of a slightly more ignorance um for it but yeah um the the Fott pick um who you run to these guys are also real awesome <laughs> Again, like all of them are awesome. Like they all have a really cool story behind them. So I'll stop saying that. Yeah. We'll just say what they are.
0: Yeah, but these these are a bunch of uh, symbiotic races. They're all like client client races of each other, and they're like I can't tell what they are. They're plant, fish, bug creatures. At one point they say, "You scratch my vent, I'll scratch your flipper." Yeah. Like that. <laughs> which implies like some kind of weird deep sea biology in play.
2: And the the one on the right is obsessed with frungi, mm-hmm. which is their sport, and they they spend a lot of time arguing with the, amongst themselves as to uh, whether you'd be interested in that, which is is funny. Mm -hmm. And that Um, also then explains the weird opening card of the 3DO
3: version, which is the United Frungi League Presents. Yeah, (laughs) Like, this is what they have instead of NVIDIA, the way it's meant to be played. It's like this fake sport (laughs) that you may or may not find out about while you play this game.
0: (laughs) But these guys, they're they're spies, kind of. Like, they're, 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 they're right next to the Urquan kind of, like, hotbed um and by helping them out by you know like uh, taking out some of these korra ships that are that they're trying to attack them eventually they agree to provide you ships but also give you some insight into this into this doctrinal difference between uh between the two factions
2: yeah this is one of the first times you're going to get that um kind of figure out that there are you know like you could have stumbled across it and i'm pretty sure that the the melnor may have mentioned something about the two different kinds of uh, Urquan, mm-hmm. but this is the first time um it's, it's pre- presented this explicitly, I think, or at least the first time I noticed it, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, this is actually really important."
0: Kind of the next set, instead of treating each of these races as their own thing, like this is a line of quests: uh, the hot, the Shofixti, and the Vux. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> really interesting. So you get onto kind of the south part of the quadrant, and uh, you come across the the Yihat, which are kind of the, the the race that the Pekunk seem to have split off from. They look like space
2: pirates. Yeah, they're they Scottish. Um you know, honor bound warriors (laughs) and they, they were formerly, you know, members of your Alliance and they hate that they are, they're betraying you now. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, but they are honor bound to protect their queen or, and obey her. And, uh, she was just doing it as a bid to, to get power.
4: Right.
2: So she aligned with the Urquan. Um, and you, you know, let them know like, Hey, you guys promised to do this. And it just tortures them. (laughs) Like you can just kind of keep bringing it up and they just get sad (laughs) like over and over and over. Yeah.
0: Um, kind of around here as well, you find the fixty, and this is kind of the the most uncomfortable racially. But yeah, this it is
2: some straight up Hong Kong Deus Ex shit.
0: Yeah, like like so as shorthand to say like, hey, this is the you know this is a uh, not not like a proud warrior race or whatever, uh, but just to say like, oh, they're kamikazes. Mm-hmm. Ah, man, it sounded like I was trying to defend that, but I kind of can't. If yeah, if, it, if they were voiced differently, it would have been perfectly fine.
3: Yeah, and yeah. that's another thing that fell out of like that was one of the ships from Star Control One, and their mm-hmm. their secondary weapon was just called Glory Device, and it's, <laughs> but but it was just like a raccoon, right? I yeah. mean, it's not like they 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 didn't have to go. Yeah, in Japan they're called Hanukis. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Like <laughs> yeah. the Glory Glory Devices, their God. testicles.
0: Yeah, and these, the two like, named
3: characters are Tanaka and his brother Katana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <was> like, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Good goal. Yeah. Actually, you know what? They may have. I, the, the races had a sort of a name, not a name generator that's too generous, but they had a set of names that they could apply to the captain mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. any given ship. Uh, the set was usually, you know, a few a f- few varieties of a name. And I they probably were Japanese names instead yeah. of one.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's just real over the top. Like, yeah. it's like, you just imagine the director just being like, more, more. <laughs> you know, bring it up. Like, yeah. like you're yelling at me okay. in a samurai voice, but can you bring it up about 20, 200%, you know? And I mean, this one's weird because it's
3: not important that you know that their culture was, you know, feudal. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like it's it doesn't really add much to the characterization that needs to be there in order for, because their arc doesn't, go all that far
0: no right like it's cool that they're down to just these last couple these last couple members of their species and this is the last male and the quest that you do for them in in order to help their species thrive and eventually overrun the galaxy I presume yeah Um, you know that's that that's kind of the purpose of it but there's no direct analog to oh we wanted to defeat the 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 Araquan so we sent our 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 star supernova no matter if that hurt us or not
2: yeah Yep, yeah. Um, Essentially, like, what you're doing for these guys is, get, this is the last male, and you're trying to find the last female um, by kind of a circuitous <laughs> method.
0: So he doesn't have uh, visual sensors. He believes that you're Urquan, um, and the only way to get him to uh, proceed is to insult him because the Urquan don't do that.
2: And and he insults you. Yeah. So to respond in kind, again, playing against that, like, lawful good video game protagonist thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if you say, like, you come in peace, he just thinks that's an Urquan trick.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But uh, in order to find out about these about these maidens, you're directed over to the Vox, which mm-hmm. uh, are these squid headed uh, kind of real <laughs> kind of real just, uh, I don't know, stereotypical alien, for lack of a better
2: way. Yeah. 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 They're they're just alien. They're kind of central game when you're talking to them is that humans are really disgusting. Yes. And they are really, dis- you know, they look really gross to us, but they're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't even look at your eyes. <laughs> like, Ugh, you so, know, it's a real That's Zoidberg kind of- thing. Yes, but the guy you're
0: talking to, Admiral Zox, he's a pervert.
2: Yes, <laughs> and and has a creature zoo, which like it wouldn't be a grand space game without a creatures <laughs> creature, uh, you know, sentient creature zoo, which I love. Um, and he sends you out to collect this really tough lizard demon thing. Um, I cheated to get for the get these coordinates for this thing. Yeah, I was not not happy about that.
3: Yeah, that was a goofy. Puzzle. This this whole thread has this quest some goofy stuff. It.
2: Because even, even like, because
3: Tanaka will fight you and you have to run away from him, yeah. which maybe you don't even remember that you have that verb. Right. Because right? Yeah. they explained it in the first couple paragraphs of text. But, <laughs> like, yeah. So it's real easy to miss this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then it's like okay, and then you realize that what you're doing is you're going to get this beast that you will then trade him for this cryogenically frozen six pack of Japanese schoolgirls to <laughs> deliver to this old man. Well, what would like, you I say it that way? way. God, this is... <laughs> um. <laughs> Everything about this is terrible. Maybe, maybe I should have just <laughs> killed that guy. When...
0: <laughs> and, the way that, and the way that he says it is, "I must perform ribald feats of ultimate fertility."
2: Well and he, the the weird thing is when you bring that back to Admiral Zox he tries to renege again um and the way that this shakes out is the beast that you let free let free um or that you gave him just kind of breaks free and kills everyone <laughs> and you just go down and grab that six pack <laughs> um but, you know cuz if you try like, to, he, if you try to attack his.
3: the admiral instead of doing the quest it just puts you in this infinite sequence of fights against VUX ships that you can't win, mm-hmm. which is also yeah. a little, that's a little bullshitty.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's a bummer. Um, but yeah, the nice, the, the mechanical upside here is that once you, uh, have the show fixedy, your cost for crew goes down by two
4: mm-hmm.
2: regardless of where it's at. Um, we didn't really talk about that, but your crew cost three ru's. If you lose a lot of them, they go up to five mm-hmm. because there are a finite number of people on the space station mm-hmm. and they become more valuable because they aren't, you know, making shit. For you anymore. Mm. Um, but once you have the show fixty, they breed like crazy and you can just make <laughs> as many as you you like. And they get really cheap. Yeah. Which is a weird. Uh, yeah,
0: I won't. I won't go into that.
2: Well, this is counterintuitive, too, because the way that you get the Yahat, which we mentioned, is to bring a show ship to them. Mm-hmm. Because when you're talking to them, they say, like, oh, we should have done what the show did did, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and not surrender at any cost. Um, As opposed to losing all this honor, and uh if you show them a show fixty like hey, you know, the show fixty are back, they're on our side, mm-hmm. you know, like don't you wanna be like them yeah. um and then they will actually start a civil war, yeah, um, and you gotta you wanna get out of there, yeah, as soon as that happens, and I
3: think you have to do that in order for them to ultimately accept the Pekunk back. Yes. Yes, right. When, so and and that's one of the weird things where it happens on a real timer. Like once you meet the Pekunk and they say that they're going back to Hat space, you have a finite amount of time to do this before they get there or it plays out differently.
0: Yes. So this yeah. is, this is a really long walk to get kind of like one benefit that may not be completely necessary like the, the you know the the lower the lower cost for each uh, crew member which you can probably get around. Um mm. and then like one benefit that comes way, way, way later,
2: like at the yeah, very it, end. Of literally the at the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's
2: cool. Uh, and I like that
3: they did it. You know, I mean I, I like that they didn't feel the need for every cool story beat, as cool as that story is, I guess, uh, to have some big mechanical benefit mm-hmm. necessarily, right? It's cool that some of the stuff is just there to be yeah, there. Uh, yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it
2: is just off the beat path. <laughs> which is super cool. But, 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 who will join you with no problem at all is the oars <laughs> um who are these weird uh fish people who again and kind of troubling their voices sound a little bit uh stereotypically effeminate
5: yeah.
2: um you know sound a little, like kind of have a gay voice
0: mm-hmm.
2: a little bit um the things that they say are not <laughs> necessarily this
0: is some of my favorite dialogue in the game because they're yeah, this
2: is some of my favorite dialogue in any game
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, the trick is, their, their language is so alien um, that uh, your, your translator can't pick it up, so it does best fits. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of just getting the gist of what they're saying, and the and the words that they put in, like campers and party and stuff, like it's really, really hard to discern what it is, and like that goes a long way to like mask the menace because you find these guys on the coordinates that the melnome Ra- the melnome right gave you to find the androsynth, kind of this uh, race of synthetics that the humans built and then kind of cast away after they got too, got too crazy. So if you try and talk to these guys about where the Androsynth went, they will turn on you immediately.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, they they give you a warning. Oh yeah, they say that'll make you an unhappy camper if you keep asking about <laughs> yeah. that. So, and if
3: you go to the the Andersonth home homeworld and send a party down to sort of look at the research that the Andersynth were doing mm-hmm. before they cool. disappeared, your guys will go nuts yeah. and, uh, you know, a cosmic menace.
0: Mm-hmm. They were looking yeah. into interdimensional travel, and so it's heavily implied uh at least here that this is what the Erlu are trying to protect you from. However, it sounds
2: like in Star Control Three they kind of take that back. Yeah. It's it's interesting because these are these are that menace, but you need them. Yep. Like you ha this is a, a critical path alliance. In the game, um, is, and the, the,
3: is it? I I thought that if you don't ally with them, you just have to fight a bunch of them to get the thing off of their planet.
2: Oh, maybe I guess I guess you could. Fight. I didn't really think about that. Like I knew no. I needed the the shield, but I didn't. I did try fighting these guys once, but I just fought a lot of them and assumed it was another endless fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um,
3: because it's like fourteen or fifteen of them or something. Is what yeah, it, it's so, cra- yeah, maybe cra- cra- yeah. it is enough that enough that you definitely determined that it's endless, having been trained to do that the the thing that was removed from from the game was you were not supposed to be able to take the oars with you into quasi space mm. like that was that was supposed to be a really bad move mm. but then they just sort of omitted that part i don't know if they ran out of time or decided like a, a bad move like cause a
2: cause a war or a bad move like crossing the streams and ghostbusters I, It seemed like the seemed like the latter like okay it it was just supposed to be a
3: really bad idea, so I I don't know what they you know what they meant by that when they, you know
2: I sort of anti shadowed a thing that they didn't end up doing. Yeah, yeah. that would have been cool because like the, the the relationship between these guys and the Arlie Lulale is 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 pretty neat. And the menace yeah.
3: never really pays off,
2: right? Which in a way is cool. It makes yeah. it you know it makes it more
3: unnerving but uh
0: instead what we're left with is just amazing dialogue and that's really what's important in this in this little branch of the game
2: um and so you get that talu shield mm-hmm. which is what you want to protect you from psychic attack and that's necessary <laughs> Um next up is the the saga of the Sirene, um and the the on. I heard a siren. <laughs> Um, there we go. That's another. Yeah. You got uh, your mic on yeah, fanboat. That, that can't be. Yeah, that, that's not. That's a. That's a, a reference. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, it is not a. That can't be a, a shirt. That's just me stealing. <laughs> no, I, I, I knew. From more talented I, I, people I, I, than me. I saw
0: you. I saw you put that on the Facebook. I was like, oh, that's kind of a like. It's funny when people say things weird, and then I looked it
2: up. Like, oh yeah, that's. Nope. Got bang bang. Okay. Yeah, it's just me being an idiot. Oh well, don't worry. I hate myself. <laughs> um. <laughs> anywho. Let's talk about the siren.
0: Yeah, the siren, who are uh, the um, sexy lady race. These are the these are the, these are the Shatner bait.
2: Yep, 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 yep. And there's not too much to them other than the fact that they're sexy and horny. <laughs> um, like the main the main one falls in love with you pretty quick.
3: Yeah, and this is a weird. This seems like a weird constraint of. You know, like, oh, we need another alien race for Star Control One. Uh, let's make them like humans, except sexy and blue-skinned, and their ships are dildos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, and then the they were like, oh crap, we're actually writing some serious stuff with these people in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, but she's lounging there in her uh, in her portrait, uh, very scantily clad. And uh, is there a sex scene? You bet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. You get your your witcher esque porno card. Well uh, a porno it's card fun.
0: complete black with uh yes. with with like loving descriptions of like, oh let's try this. It's like teenagers experimenting.
3: The guy who did the, the, the guy it was an interview that was transcripted later was talking about how uncomfortable it was to record that VO because it was just like the mom of one of his kids' friends. Oh no. <laughs> he said she was totally professional and he was just like blushing and wincing the entire time. <laughs>
0: I'm really happy that I didn't hear that voiced out.
2: It, g- it gave me a, a turgid member, yeah. so I was real into it. The... <laughs> so, so don't don't feel too bad because it, it did a real good job as far as uh, arousing me to it took, climax. It
0: took you to the bone so
2: quadrant. I did. I, I went into the bone bone quadrant and was able to to make a siren go. Yeah. Um, so I pedaled my fan bow. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's not till later. Um, I, I like the uh the 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 way they wrote into your dialogue, like being flabbergasted by her beauty or whatever, like that. Mm. Like there there was a little bit of humor to be to be found there, but it just kind of made it difficult to navigate and actually like get to the meat of their story, which is they're kind of a parallel of Earth, except they are kind of just complacent, right? They like they they are a version of it's like if Earth never had this crazy colony that came back and found them right mm-hmm. and so you have to shake them out of their complacency by going to their by going to their old home world and finding this this mycon eggshell
2: right like yes. after
0: seeing that it had been shattered
2: yeah and if you take that back to your science people they'll say what it is like it's organic um, it's fungal and there is one fungal <laughs> planet that they you know the siren uh you know they are aware of and i think they drop a hint of these guys exist these mycon
5: mm-hmm.
2: um which if you go to the siren you can say like hey you know that wasn't a natural disaster you guys got you got punked <laughs> you got punked by the by the by the mycons um so <laughs> they they kind of have to this plan hatched um yeah the the, the <laughs> uh, uh, uh this plan because when you talk to the mycon um who are this crazy like hive mind fungal race mm-hmm. condescending thing that worships something called the Juffo whip yeah um which is essentially the fact that they're they're just a one colony and they talk about how like their ancestor their father's, father's 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 father is is within mm-hmm. them and like one cell of their DNA contains thousands of humans worth of like value and <laughs> and stuff yeah, and, and like uh, every
3: once in a while, their dialogue gets interrupted by one of their ancestors popping yes. out to just say, "Hey, this is who I was, and this is how I died."
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it seems like like they, they're all just the tree from Avatar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I I I love that they are so self-involved. Like their favorite topic is them.
2: Yeah, they'll talk about that's like they're a, they're a uh, one of the Urquans, you know more combat heavy races Mm -hmm. like you can't become friends with these guys but they will not destroy you if you talk to them about themselves Mm -hmm. like they they they're way into talking themselves and the way they reproduce is really creepy and gross which is to add this kind of egg into the middle of a planet yeah that like kind of explodes it into a fungal mess they
0: they they find a a fertile planet and they drive their penetrator ships into it (laughs) Yes. and uh, and then kind of turn it into a, a like a the, the class of planet a shattered planet, just a magma world,
3: right? In order the, to the penetrator ships are actually the
2: Cyrene dildo rockets. Oh
0: really? Oh shit! Yeah. I got that backwards. <laughs> yeah, it's the
2: ones that look like dicks. Uh, yep, the, them's the ones that penetrate. <laughs> <laughs> the ones so, what penetrate
0: yeah. yeah okay okay cool so either way there's a ship called the penetrator and it works in either context but <laughs> yeah no <laughs> so I th- one, th- of, th-
2: one of them th- penetrates and one of them is called the penetrator yes the oh. um the micon were
3: like it was my favorite of the ships in star control one at least because it had it had this sort of Weapon that was homing, had a really long range, but it just did less and less damage the further out it got from the ship. And then its secondary ability was just to regrow some crew, which mm. it was a good, like, sort of distance patience fighter. Mm. And it's basically the same in this game. Whereas the Sirene Penetrator, its special ability was to get crew to abandon ship if you were mm. close enough to the other ship. And then you could you could go pick it up and sort of life drain from the other ship. Yeah. Which is why they're they're like sirens, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's also why your character is so enamored with this person immediately. Like, it it could just be, you know, natural, but it also could be some, like, pheromone, uh, you know, magic power, sexiness Mm -hmm. shit.
3: The Errolux kind of hand wave if you ask them about, like, well, wait, why aren't you helping the siren? Aren't they they compatible enough that we can bone them Mm -hmm. later? (laughs) And they're like, (laughs) eh. (laughs)
2: they know that you're going to get there eventually yeah
0: yeah the 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 siren are basically just the asari from uh from from mass effect in 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 that way like oh they use that they use they use the fact that they're all sexy lady aliens uh in their favor and one of my favorite bits about the asari in mass effect is that they whoever looks at them sees whatever is most attractive to that To to them, Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. So, like, there's an awesome scene in Mass Effect 2, just to take us in that and uh, on that diversion there, where there are people, uh, like, arguing at a bar about this sexy asari across the way, and they're all describing different features, but there's only one asari that they're looking at. Mm. So, I wonder if that is also has anything to do with this.
2: Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Yeah, possibly. the uh, the The actual pathway of getting them is kind of tricky here, though. Where like you set up this gambit and you have to just kind of wait mm-hmm. um while it goes on while the siren weaken these guys. Um and the, it's kind of fun. You can actually see their sphere of influence shrink <laughs> on the map. Um, but while that's happening, um, you know, you have to get you get into a lot of fights unless you just go wait, you know, in another part of the galaxy mm-hmm. for them to weaken them. If you hang out here, like I spent a lot of time kind of Benny healing like being chased <laughs> by by random encounters um through here just in wide circles (laughs) um to get away from these guys here they didn't want to do that many fights
0: yeah the uh the reward that you get from the end of this is the uh is the sun device which is which is necessary for the plot um and this kind of creates an artificial solar flare um and if you use this is is this the one that destroys your ship or is it the bomb like using this in the wrong place is really bad
2: um i never use this in the wrong i didn't i didn't use either of them um willy willy nilly mm. so i don't know um the real reward is that you get that sex scene so the real <laughs> reward is the orgasm that you have from your penis <laughs> yeah. from from watching this top yes you've really you've really turned the corner on on this <laughs> <video game> <laughs> <arousal> <laughs> thing gary I'm, I'm i'm proud of your i'm proud of your growth <laughs> yeah. well, you, guys, you, you guys convinced me yeah
0: you <laughs> raised some really good issues really good points and he he reconsidered it
2: and uh yeah, yeah you know and Star Control 2 came along with, uh, with some dialogue from a mo- somebody's mom, <laughs> yep. and like that's literally all it took. You know, Gary's not sure made of stone, but his dick is. Yeah, especially Boing. when bam, bam, the sirens. <laughs> 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 uh, I didn't actually get a—I uh, don't get bonus from video games. I um, I get uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's similar. Like, I get like, yes, I get uncomfortable when I get a boner. Yes, I get uncomfortable when I Mm -hmm. there's sex in video games. Like, there is a there is a uh, a coincidence. So, our our um our
0: prudishness aside, I want to kind of like look at this for a moment because I think the reason that I am just kind of like about this is less you know about me being uncomfortable with sex and video games and more with it kind of being predictable and easy. Mm. Like, oh, here's the sexy. Like like I said, you know, they're Shatner bait. Right.
2: And so
3: it would have been been so easy to subvert that as opposed to just like, nope, this is what it looks like.
2: Yeah. Well, (laughs) if if they're if they're like chemically seducing you through Mm -hmm. like psychic powers or something, that's kind of a subversion. You know, like maybe Mm -hmm. these things actually look like weird little, you know gross lumps or something yeah Maybe but i mean so then gross. like ending
3: spoiler alert you marry her <laughs> yeah. i guess that's true right so i mean uh, well i uh, okay i guess it could just be a real creepy through line that you're never <laughs> yeah, told about just conti- yeah. yeah
2: just continuously being fooled even though now that i think about it that doesn't make it better because then that's kind of rapey. Yeah. um if you're gonna if you're getting like psychically coerced into falling in lust yeah. With this thing. So you're right. Like on either way you look at it, it's pretty gross. It's yeah. either easy or gross or gross. I'm just looking it's that at that triangle.
0: I'm just looking at it in terms of like what would set up the better gag. And like even if they just did like the Futurama Fry wants to live with a mermaid, but he can't figure out where it goes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool. Just like use that to kind of play into the stupider side of this razor's edge. Like I would have been perfectly fine with that. In fact, would have preferred it as opposed to this on the nose thing that they kind of ended up doing.
2: Mild mildly gross. Yeah. Um Luckily, you know, we can put it behind us until the end or we spend the rest of our life <laughs> with 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 our beautiful bride. Yeah. Beautiful blue bride. Mhm. Except she's a white girl in the ending cutscene. I know. It's weird, right? What's
1: going on with
2: that? You only see what you want to see, Zach. She wasn't wasn't for me. You racist.
0: (laughs) 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 Let's get unpleasant with Thradash and the Ilref. Uh Two of the most unpleasant races outside of the Micah.
2: Yeah, or the uh, fucking Druge. Those, oh, yeah. those things are gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the uh, so the Thradash are rhinoceros war like they're Klingons, mm-hmm.
3: essentially they're rock steady.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're Klingon Klingon rock steady.
3: And <laughs> or, uh, or Bebop, I don't know. You it's, know right, it's
2: rock steady. <laughs> yeah. um, he said sheepishly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> The um but their their whole thing is that they uh uh you know are super warlike. They jumped at the chance mm-hmm. to become war war thralls at this point. And uh they uh you know it's fun talking to them and getting their backstory about their different civilizations, which they considered to be you know, brutal. Mm-hmm. Um but they do not. Um, you know, just because they are an over the top parody of that
3: you you can actually get them to switch teams and join your alliance but only by killing 25 of their ships yep
2: yeah. yes which is just get-
3: dick man get get dick
2: (laughs) number get to get dicked could have been lower yeah (laughs) yeah like and there's no like i don't think there's like a a real lot of feedback to it like i Mm -hmm. destroyed a couple of their ships before doing the alternate route and it wasn't like they were like hmm you know i show grudging respect for you but let us fight like Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like i got the same dialogue each time for the first few ones i tried yeah and i was just like this is esoteric i'm not gonna do it um, which is fine because the the non standard way to deal with them is great. It is.
0: Uh, I, I'm I'm more morally comfortable with killing twenty five of their ships than condemning two races, no matter how bad they are, to complete genocidal war.
2: I you know, I I had no problem fucking over the Ilrath. Those guys yeah. are shitheads. Yeah. And the throatish are shitheads. Did you know? say <laughs> No, I wish I, had. <laughs> I, I said I said shitheads. There's a little bit uh, of a Skype glitch there. Yeah, I wish um. I had said shittiots. <laughs> Um it's like that's like the, the Beavis and Butthead sequel that didn't come out <laughs> like the PC adventure game sequel. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, they, they, like I, I had no problem mm-hmm. sending the spider monsters versus the rhino monsters.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh so this this alternate path you go and talk to the Illwraith, and this is where the uh, little detail about their gods being fake um uh pays off because you can use your uh your 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 caster uh that you got uh, uh from the spathy. In order to in order to talk to them, and they immediately believe that you are their god.
2: Yeah, it it's a it cast illusions. Yes, you know, and they even say like, if you're up in the sky, you can make uh, your captain. He says like, you can make somebody believe that uh, you know you're a god himself coming down from the clouds or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you trick them as their twin gods into <laughs> looking for you know harder prey, and they go after after the Thridish, and then they'll just go ahead and fight yeah. for a while.
0: So the wrath are great because they are straight up chaotic evil, like 100%. And you talk to them and they just have this pantheon and everything is just this bargain basement uh kind of like uh deities and demigods level like the throne of pain and the, yeah, <laughs> like they just have this cult about being comically straightforward evil. Um and so mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 not terrible. My favorite thing is, you know, as you're trying to trying to manipulate them, you can get them to say worship instead of worship. Yeah. <laughs>
2: They worship, worship, to refer know.
3: to themselves as dill rats instead of the ill rat yeah.
2: you can also get them to say wash instead of wash um okay you guys are from michigan now yeah like i worship it it turns them
0: into goofy uh, get them to say gosh instead of gosh yeah
3: i don't think any of that stuff sticks around after that that one conversation but uh,
2: it's that'd no, be awesome if it did like if you're literally just influencing their their, their vocabulary um, but it kind of kills two birds with one stone mm-hmm. um setting these two these two races against each other
0: yeah this um, is uh this is this takes a long time to happen
2: yeah it uh, does as you see
3: there's one kills one- one rhinoceros and one spider with one office supply what <laughs> yeah <you know. laughs>
2: exactly yeah. one standard issue office rock
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah so after the dust settles, you can go get this aqua helix, which again, you have no idea why you're collecting these things you're just mm. getting them.
2: Yeah, a, a rule of thumb in this game is, like, if a home world becomes abandoned, go check it out. Yeah. Because there'll be a plot coupon there. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about the uh the Chen. And we, we are rounding the curve on this. Like, don't yeah. think that after we do all these races, then we're just going to be like, okay, you start the plot <laughs> heading off to get this device. Yeah. Like, we're covering that now. Yep. This this is the plot of the game. So mm-hmm. uh, bear with us. We're, audience, like, right here. on the cusp of the end game. Don't worry. Yes. Yeah. Thank like, you. We appreciate your patience again. We, and we, Zach, I appreciate your patience as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm having a great time. Yeah,
0: okay. yeah. I just reiterate: this is the structure of the game. You're going and finding these different civilizations and, and and exploring them and doing, you know, whatever you can to get whatever you need off of them.
2: Yes.
3: And just, and all of these things can largely be done in whatever order. Right.
2: Yeah. This is the order that like is kind of the according to wiki. Mm -hmm. order for it but it also makes the most sense and is the easiest because like there's a little bit of progression as you go further into these places you are going into more dangerous space and there is an advantage to doing that after a little bit more research or resource rich so your flagship is hardier Mm -hmm. um like specifically going over to the micon like you know that's in dangerous space um over on the east side of the map and you're Mm -hmm. you're just south of the, uh, the irkwan um so like it is non-linear like you could just go do the sirens right away it's probably not advisable though
4: mm-hmm.
2: you know um there are people who do like uh, i've seen on youtube like minimalist challenges
4: mm-hmm.
2: for this game where you're literally just like i'm going to upgrade my ship as little as possible and do only the things that are required <sighs> and that's really like interesting and weird like that this game inspires that the same way there's like the low percentage super metroid runs yeah
0: does that include navigation
2: uh, uh yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so I watched I watched a I 35
0: have. minute speed run
2: last oh. night. It was yeah, insane. It is, it is one of those games where if you know what you're doing you could literally just And that's that's awesome. Like that is a cool thing where the the meat of the game is in like is definitely in the journey as much as that's a cliche like you know it, it's like mist I guess mm-hmm. where like you have the solution to the puzzle. Oh, it's you know. a
3: surrealistic adventure that will become your world.
2: Yes. <laughs> exactly according to the box yes yes it's exactly like that yeah um let's talk chen Jesu and
0: yeah the crash test dummies um yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. so these are these are two races that are kind of trapped under the same shield uh i forget which is which uh but i believe the chen Jesu are um are rock people and the moon are uh synthetics right yeah yes
2: yeah and, and so they, they're merging
0: yeah they're they're like researching a way to merge together so they can break out of the shield which is going to be really good technology to have you know nice yes. to know but they just need like a little bit of a kick um you know like oh we, we need the power of a thousand suns on uh, the palm of our hand uh which you have in your whole century
2: yep. yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, deep dumb Marvel cut. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, the uh, you you happen to have grabbed this from the sirens, uh, so you can you can blow up their shield.
0: Yeah, which um, you you hit fast forward on their merging thing. Which imagine if just one day there was a bright light in the sky and we all woke up just merged with house cats. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I yeah. mean, be still my heart. But no, uh, like just damn it, you guys, we're gonna do this at our own pace. We're now we're fucked up and weird.
2: Yeah, that would yeah. be really strange. Yeah. Like, you're just shaking somebody's hand at the time and just like, bam. Yes, it is <laughs> it, it,
0: it is the plot of a Twilight Zone episode, and they are now the Chimur.
2: Yes, which is is oddly uh, as easy to pronounce as either of the other yeah. which, names that they had, that, even though it has no vowels.
0: I just realized how clever that is. Chimur, Chimera, Chimera? Yeah. Yeah. Oh.
3: Yeah. I, I also just realized how
2: clever that was, and also how clever you are, Cole. Oh, thank you. Aw, oh, you guys. I just realized how clever I am for recognizing that when I played the game. <laughs> Cole, I just realized that Gary's kind of a dick. Yeah. It's just epiphany after epiphany. Cole, I just realized I'm not talking to Zach. Will you tell him? <laughs> Mom, Dad, please.
0: Uh, oh, man. Yeah, so uh, the Chimur, they, they you know—they—they they, they put this crazy Doctor Moreau atrocity you committed aside, and say, "All right, here's the game plan. We figured out exactly what we need to do. We know about the Samatra, which is this battle platform at the center of the universe. At the center, it at the it sounds of this like a kind of
2: uh, like k- it sounds like a brand of kombucha. <laughs> yes." <laughs>
0: Yeah, but uh they they kind of say okay, here's some things that we need. We need we need a uh, uh some way to attack them psychically and also we need a bomb in in order to blow it up,
2: right? Yeah. Yep, yep, so, yep, yep.
0: Like that's a little bit of what we've been assembling this whole way through like by getting the talking pet, by getting this uh oh, we haven't got the talking pet yet. Whoops. Um <laughs> we know of the talking pet Yeah, though. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so we're kind of like headed out in order to get that and uh, learn what these different colored artifacts are for.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Like by going to the Utwig or Utwig, uh, I learned um, who sound exactly like lemon grab in the VO. Yeah. I read them as more like morose, like, Oh, I'm sorry guys. But instead it is straight up Justin Roiland just screaming neurotically.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're creepy because they constantly wear a mask, Mm -hmm. which is pretty spooky. Um, these guys aren't that well developed, I feel like. Yeah. The Outwig and the Supox, like, there's not that much to them. Um, I wanted there to be a little bit more. Like, yeah. the, the Supox just like you a lot. Yeah. And the Outweg are just kind of down. Yeah. Um,
0: so the Utwig are down because they have this device called the Ultron, which is voiced by James Spader and tells them everything that's going to happen in the future, they think. <laughs> Um yeah. And uh that they're, they're, they're so depressed because this thing is broken that they're considering using this precursor bomb to basically commit species wide suicide.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Autogenocide. Yes. Yeah. And uh that you find out that the the people who sold this thing to them, that that they you know that they can't actually the Ultron that they can't repair are the Druge. Um which if you uh head over and meet these guys, these things are weird. <laughs> like monkey pig guys with really unpleasant voices mm-hmm. um you know really really disgusting uh creatures and who are, are ultra capitalist like these are the ferengis for, <laughs> for the game yeah and uh you go to their their trade world and uh but the only thing they really want are artifacts which like at this point you don't really know what you can give up mm-hmm. um or uh humans mm-hmm. and you can you can do a long talk with them about like Like, we don't condone slavery. And they're like, we don't either. They'll be given great lives, you know, and stuff. But there's nothing about them that inspires confidence.
0: Right. They're hanging from chains.
3: You can trade them the egg fragments, which is like, in a way, the most harmless thing to trade for the the artifact you need. But then they say, oh, yeah, the the fibers in it are really strong. And we use them to make stronger straps to strap our slaves down with.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Come on, guys. (laughs) It's like a monkey's paw. Yeah. Huh.
3: yeah. God, you can also give them the Shofixty maidens if you still have them, and oh. they're like, "Oh, this is cool. We'll be able to breed like shitloads of slaves, real easy." Now, thanks.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, you're doing that to get the Rosy Sphere, and you find the broken the the broken Ultron over with uh, with the Supox, who are just chill plant bros.
2: Yeah. They're just good guys. Yeah. Like there's not much to them. They're just nice mm-hmm. um, to you. Yeah.
0: Captain a ah, la 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 yeah. la. la. Yeah. <laughs> it turns into a Christmas carol through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Can you? I don't know how how open this is. Could you take it upon yourself to just like clear the druge from the earth or from the galaxy if you wanted to? I think the home worlds always have an infinite number of ships. I, th- I think so too. You could like just kill every druge you run into. But you'll you'll never be able to. And that's one thing, again, like, because it's been, you know, 40 minutes or so since I brought up Starflight. Um, <laughs> the endgame planet-destroying stuff you get in Starflight, mm-hmm. you, it's up to you to use it on the right planet. So if there's a race you really don't like, you can go and destroy them and wipe them out of the galaxy. <laughs> if uh, And you get a couple of them. So if there's anything, like, if there were Druge in that game, you could just be like, well, I decided this galaxy would be better without Druge. <laughs> and, uh, and just take them out if you want to. Not that I condone, like, genocide in any way. <laughs> Obviously. Eh, against um, these
3: guys, I think you're... Yeah, these yeah, guys, I mean, guys are real for... shitheads.
2: Like, this would be a justified war. Like, <laughs> I would enlist it. This is like the World War II of Star Control Two. Like, once we went to war with the Druge. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so so you combine all these all these artifacts uh, into the broken Ultron to repair it, and the, uh, the, the Udwig do, like, a complete 180. And now they're chipper, and they're back to their mask-loving ways.
2: Mm-hmm yeah and they tell you uh where their bomb is yeah
0: and of course the Druze, being the shitheads they are they want to poach the bomb and they give you a whole we're not so different you and
2: i speech yeah i was like no (laughs) no yeah we we are um and you have to fight a thousand of them like get a really long fight Mm -hmm. with these guys yeah
0: but yeah this gets you this gets you the bomb and everybody is terrified of it because it is a bomb that will destroy planets
2: it's the ultimate nullifier from Fantastic Four, hmm. essentially. Like it, it is. It is just like the, the thing that will just destroy whatever is in its path. Yeah. So it is the ultimate deterrent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're almost done. We're we're at the last pair of uh, kind of racial pairings mm-hmm. here: the Umga and the Denari. So you go over and these uh, these Umga. Uh,
0: you've been hearing about them as these great genetic engineers. Uh, they're a race of Krangs.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they're great like th- this is really this is really good dialogue in the game too because they're goofballs and when you're talking to the captain he was saying like oh you know they had a good sense of humor i thought we could definitely be friends with them but as you talk to them you realize that the pranks that they pull are literally just ruining races like yep. they're responsible for like per capita like you know 40 percent of the misery in the galaxy as opposed to you know 60 percent. From the uh, yeah, they're the
3: they're bones. the ones that made the Spathy choose to be combat thralls when they wanted to be follow slaves. Yep, <laughs> they, um, they, they are the ones who fabricated the gods of the wrath <laughs> Yep,
2: yeah. But so well, there's a, I feel like there's a third thing that they did that was super shitty too that I just learned about. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember what was it a is. cunk thing. I think it was. I think it was at least down in that that quadrant. I think it was uh, with with the bird people um down there but they they just that's what they do and when you talk to them they're just like you know like (laughs) this this was good you know like there's like literally like no empathy (laughs) in them um
0: Yeah. yeah but uh you find out that they're being controlled by this denarii right the talking pet who is you know basically been sent there for repair uh the conk on the head that it, uh that, that it got helped it ascend and actually become what the you know the talking pets originally were which are these psychic master race and yeah the yes. Umga
3: found all of the the genes inside the talking pet that the urquan had specifically suppressed mm-hmm. in order to enslave them and so returned it to its former
2: glory as a psychic overlord
3: mm-hmm. yes yeah, yep, yep, yep. And so. they get
2: real mad if you start ta- asking about the talking pet. <laughs> like early on, you can ask about it as soon as you come here from the uh, Arlie Laleigh and they get real mad. So,
0: yeah. Uh, but, uh, it- the attacks don't work on you because you have this um you have this uh, psychic shield the talos shield yeah the
3: talos shield if you go there and you don't have the talos shield the talking pet is like go seek death at the hands of your enemies and then like the screen fades out and then two weeks pass and you're just in the middle of Urquan space <laughs> that's awesome
0: i love
2: that that's, that's, that's great. great yeah
0: yeah <laughs> but uh, he sends the you know the the the, the fleets at you i forget what ultimately gets him to submit like actually, when you say, "Oh, we're going off the Irkuan," and this guy says, "Yeah, I I totally have common cause with you with you guys," is that the case?
2: Um, and the fact that he it doesn't work on you. Oh yeah, I think like uh like you know I think you just kind of take him, mm-hmm. you know, because you're immune to the to to his powers. Yeah,
0: and he's frog sized.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, and and he's tiny and he's cute. Mm-hmm. He's a pocket pet. Um, <laughs> The uh, and the umga at this point they praise you as a hero because you freed them from the slave that they inadvertently opened, but then think it would be funny to give you some ships to fight them with and then betray you. <laughs> yep. Um, they declare you know, the a... king
3: and then blow the king killing horn.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 they're just being goofs. Yeah, so you make you make your one final. Well, now that you have all these things, um, you you head back and you do your kind of final run up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, once you install the bomb on your ship, it takes up a certain amount of space and you can never get that back. And, uh, hopefully you've been upgrading your things, um, by trading, you know, uh, rainbow world data to the, the velvet fog in order to get like the enhanced, you know, fuel and enhanced, uh, weapons and stuff like that. And you start entering the end game.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think that what happens is, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you have up- upgraded those. I thought what you're saying was you can't change anything about your loadout. You actually have to rebuild your ship. Is, uh, yeah is
2: to, to to carry the bomb yeah you can change some things about your ship but you can't change you do have some kind of slots that are now permanently taken up by the bomb yeah yeah
0: so this is a weird thing because like up to this point i had actually been really relying on my flagship so this was a little bit of a wake-up call to actually um start using the fleet more just yeah. because the and flagship is so powerful
2: luckily you get the uh the Chimir when they come along they give you amazing ships like the, uh, the Tamir, uh, what are they called? Like Vanguard av- or something?
3: The Avatar, yeah. That, Avatar. That, um, yeah. the, the whole point of the fusion of their races
2: was to sort of produce the hard counter to the Urquan ships. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you get, they give you unlimited money. Yeah. At this point. So you can build whatever ship you want. hmm
0: yeah. yeah. And you can load it out. Like this is, th- this is them kind of saying like, okay, this is our last hurrah. It doesn't matter what we do after this. So let's kind of just go nuts. So there is no tomorrow.
2: Um, so the kind of things you do, um, your, your buddies, uh, the, the Udwig and the Supaks are harrying the, uh, the Irkon space to distract them. Um, when you get into their space, you see like a thousand ships Mm -hmm. and, uh, luckily the, uh, talking pet confuses them and messes them up, um, giving you kind of a clear shot to the actual Irkon planet, Mm -hmm. um, which this is, there's a little bit of, um, once you have lost a couple ships, um, this is where the whole bit with the uh, Pekunk um, pays off because you'll get the Pekunk ships and the, uh, what is the the other race, the other birds, the Yeehaw yeah. ships. Um, so you get those guys and they're good. It's a little bit too little too late. And at this point, like I will admit, like I was in Android mode, which makes this whole thing not actually happen. <laughs> like literally this last little bit where you have to go up to the Sumatra just fades out and gives you the ending oh wow (laughs) yeah it is a real anti-climax i tried to my credit like i reloaded a save and tried to do it but i just Mm -hmm. wasn't good enough and died because i hadn't been training in the combat so i kept the ships
3: are pretty good for that because you can just kind of skate around and because they shoot sideways you can blow up the things that are on the outside of it but Mm -hmm. but yeah i had had forgotten about that but yeah i think they just didn't want to deal with writing an ai to handle their weird one-off boss fight Mm
0: -hmm.
2: yeah it literally just ends yeah so
0: It's a fun fight. Like I did it manually. Like I did all the fights. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, those, those special chips that you get really do benefit because it's, it's ring shaped and you're taking out these shield generators on the outside while also uh, trying to uh, shoot these fireballs out of the, uh, out of the sky that are chasing after you. And so shooting sideways is a real benefit. And once that shield is down, um, it creates the vulnerability for you to perform a suicide mission, flying into the heart of it, uh, sacrificing, I assume, uh, thousands of souls. Also, uh, they lead you to believe yourself and also the... Uh, uh, also um the uh the, the, the Denari also, talking pet yeah um who uh who protests like he's a real he's he's a real rapscallion that little guy <laughs> i love the science team report like oh man we're doing like crazy things because this guy's on mm-hmm.
2: yeah. yeah and that's that's kind of the that's kind of the game mm-hmm. um you get your little uh your uh ending which is that like you were telling this to your kids <laughs> um s- straight up uh like klonoa mm-hmm. style Grandpa, Grandpa! or not a Crayama? <laughs> sort of I mana, of? Yeah. sort of mana. Yeah, yeah,
0: so. yeah. That's my least favorite framing device.
2: It's it's really it's it's down there for me. It's not my yeah. favorite thing. Uh, I yeah. still th- I, like the dream sequence where everyone imagines their real desires mm-hmm. is probably my least favorite thing. Yeah, <laughs> like framing device, but like this is pretty down there. Yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, but yeah, like you 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 come to like like actually immediately after this, you wake up in a hospital bed. So you're. <laughs> your escape pod is blown in half and uh you are being tended to by tamara and you watch the other uh, the slave shield uh, dissipate over earth in
2: the background yeah, yeah. it's a nice moment And that's, that's uh, Star Control 2. And I very nearly just said Masters of Orion 2 again. <laughs> I got this episode without doing that, but <laughs> the, uh, here we are. It's actually a miracle. Yeah, it is a minor miracle. The Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, that's Star Control 2. Final I'm Judgments. I'm so glad you guys finally played it.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that I did too. This might be one of my favorite games we've done for the show.
2: I think so too. Like, I think this is top 10, you know, material for the show. For yeah. sure.
0: It's, you know, just even down to my personal preferences, this this plays into it so much. And, like, it's it's one of those weird situations where playing a game that does this so well makes other stuff that came later that cribbed from it, like, a little bit worse in comparison. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love Mass Effect, and I'm an apologist for that series, you know, to a large degree. But it's so clear, like, that they, that, that they looked at this and saw, like, yeah, you know, here this is. Let's take this and iterate on it. And you know, add this other stuff, and you know, I like the combat and the and the latter Mass Effect kind of thing, but just like some of that magic and that goofiness didn't really come through, even though Mass Effect does have kind of these these these, uh, these good moments to, to to see that they nailed it 15 years, you know, ahead of time is really mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't know, like I feel like this is this is shoring up a huge a huge gap in my in my experience of you know games in general,
3: and it's weirdly unsung for how much of a classic it seems like it mm-hmm. should be you know i think it didn't sell particularly well and it was a yeah, sequel it... to a game that n- almost no one has played
4: yeah
2: <laughs> which and, and and a prequel to a game that everyone hates you <laughs> yeah. know or like a predecessor to a game that like nobody likes like it is it is a weird you know it's not like the star control series mm. is well thought of yeah like it's yeah. just this this one yeah. And I mean um, the
3: developers it, went on to then make uh Tony Hawk downhill jam for the week. <laughs> yes. And then Skylanders.
0: <laughs> oh so yeah. okay. at least they're successful. Well, I, like Skylanders yeah. is
3: a huge thing. Yeah, no, I, I well, like also, these guys and, can and, have all the money they want, yeah. you know.
2: The the Lawrence. As guy as, as
3: the chummer I will provide it to them.
2: Sure. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it it is for me like it was something that like the 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 part of this, the the tie I can see to, like, Mass Effect and stuff, like, the thing that my favorite thing about this game is learning about these different alien races, mm-hmm. um, interacting with them, and the way that you have to adjust your playstyle to do so. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is something that I haven't seen done this well uh, before. And that's even, that's something that I like about Mass Effect and didn't like the stuff in between. Yeah. And part of the reason why I love this so much is it's, like, in a compact package. Yeah. Like, this game, you know, if you, you don't ever reference a guide, it's probably, you know, like, a 20-hour game. You know, if you literally are just searching around for, for stuff, you'll stumble across it eventually, maybe even a little less than that. But, like, it gives you such a perfect distillation of that with tons of content. Like I said, like 12 hours of recorded dialogue. Like, mm-hmm. there's tons of goodness there, and it's, like, almost all that. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, you can jettison the parts. Like, they've made the mining perfunctory. They've made the combat optional They've made, like, the upgrading stuff like that, like, the kind of upgrade paths you get. Like, it seems on first blush as if there's a lot of customization and things that you're choosing. In real life, not really. Like, there is a real optimal path for your flagship. Um, and once you know the counters for for ships, like, for your fleet, like, you can very easily, like, I want these ships to come with me because I'm going to this kind of space. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, like, the, it kind of takes some of that. You're not really making those choices. You're really focusing on the, like, dialogue and adventure stuff that is just you know superb you know mm-hmm. and it just it does a really good job of like more than a lot of hybrid games like we almost did when we did our action rpg poll we were going to act ActRaiser, and like i like act Razor a lot um but as a hybrid game like that doesn't do one thing super well and another thing shitty it does both things like pretty okay this does yeah. one thing like absolutely amazingly and makes everything else more or less optional yeah which is super super cool like i like that approach a lot
3: Yeah, it's like this game takes the stuff that's that is often tacked onto other games and makes it just the superb focus. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is like, you know, as we're talking about how this is regarded since it came out, like you see lists of like the best written games of all time or something like that. And, you know, like Planescape is up there at the top. And then it's kind of a smattering of whatever else people really seem to, you know, uh, like at, at the current time, this never pops up on there. And I would I would put it on that tier.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely you know yeah it, it, yeah it is so it is so well written yeah. just in terms
0: yeah. of like the like the like the tone that they strike and the, the the themes that they explore in like really kind of like sideways elliptical ways you know stuff that's really pretty powerful like you alluded to that to that you know cycle of abuse you know the the the, the nuance that's put into this when it could have been incredibly broad um yeah you know seems ridiculous um it,
2: it, it is what zach like you put it really well zach where you said it's like that razor's edge of stupidity <laughs> where like on like it does look on first blush as being just kind of goofy, but there's just more there, and then after under that there's more, <laughs> and under that there's more you know
3: it's like the the fact that you can you can like t v trope style just get lost in the wiki of this one game, mm hmm yeah, and yeah, like to the point where like I never even open the codex in a mass effect game Because I'm like ah god, this is just gonna be it's gonna be so earnest and like not. I mean, maybe that's it, right? Maybe this is very competently written, right? Mm-hmm. Like these guys, you know, and the dialogue was written by like half a dozen people, which that's another kind of amazing thing. <laughs> like that yeah. they were able to to have such a consistent voice, but it's it's written to be entertaining. It's written to be funny, mm-hmm. rather than like, oh, w- you know, wouldn't this well, be cool, or wouldn't this wouldn't this blow that, your mind if this <laughs> is how this race worked, or whatever. That, that's it, you know. I
2: mean, that's exactly it. Like that's the thing. Even in games that I, I am I like a lot, lore in games like as my, and, and we do a whole podcast about a really lore rich game that has a lot of that kind of text in it, um, but it's not written to be well written. You know, mm-hmm. like, when we did uh, Morrowind, like, some of that stuff, like, some of the Vivek stuff is well-written. A lot of it I found kind of boring to read. Um, and same thing with, like, you know, for, as much as I'm, like, a weather fan of them, like, I played all the Dragon Age games other than the newest one and read a lot of the Codex stuff. And it's so dry and, like, so – or, like, a, a – Somebody was taking me to task about our Metroid Prime episode recently on Facebook, and, like, I was arguing about Metroid Prime, and, like, there's tons of lore in that. I am mm-hmm. unlike you. I don't necessarily think lore is inherently bad. I think that it just tends to be really, really dryly written.
3: Mm-hmm. And yeah, this, I mean, I, I don't read it for the yeah. same reason I don't read an encyclopedia. Yeah, right? Exactly. Because it's like, exactly. that's not what it's for. That's for, like, Absolutely. a like, consultation if you're curious about something, whereas this just begs to be read. Yeah. This like, stuff a, begs to be explored because it's the, the, fun. It's, encyclopedia
2: is exactly what it is like when you when you're in dragon age and it's like oh i just picked up a thing about the chantry like (laughs) i don't need to read an encyclopedia entry on the chantry like there are better ways to tell a story and Mm -hmm. give information that people who actually write for a living and write stories have been doing forever (laughs) and games don't always get on that page and this one does
3: and it's like they're just making available the reference material that the writers were using to maintain internal consistency and it's like "Eh, i
2: don't need that like that's for you guys Right. Tell me like through dialogue. The... Like you know, tell me through through non uh non-direct like yeah. through characterization and dialogue and stuff, yeah. which like if you open up a book to read it, when I was young and and wasn't as avid a reader, if I opened up a book and like it was just several pages of just description, it would always turn me off mm-hmm. because it moves so slowly. And at the time, like I I'm kind of I'm not embarrassed about it because I was, you know, twelve. <laughs> but the uh, uh what I was picking up on then subconsciously was a problem of ways to convey information Mm -hmm. and kind of showing versus telling. Yeah. Um, And this game does just a really good job of showing as opposed to telling and those, those (laughs) access to the developer Bibles, which again is like a perfect way to put that, Zach. Mm -hmm. um, That's just telling. You know, it's just there. Well, it's funny
0: is, like, it's it's all telling. Like, you know, it, it is expository dialogue, but they're doing it in such a way by either conveying it through mannerisms or that font or the kind of the stuff that comes alongside it. But, like, it's not just saying, hey, here's information. Approach it for its own sake. It's building a case and building curiosity. You get this introduction, and then you have these different avenues that you can follow. And it, it, it leads you on and actually gives mm-hmm. you motivation to, you know, to, to to proceed down that. And I think, mercifully... The critical path is really apparent through these, so you can get through it as quickly, and you know, much in the way that you can kind of minimize the, the 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 combat if you're not into that. There's a way to kind of just dip in and dip out of this and still get a good, satisfying experience. Like it's incredibly conscientious with the way that it that the, the, that it treats show don't tell. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they
3: don't force you to go into every little alley of a conversation to find the information that you need. They're mm-hmm. very forthcoming with the plot breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm.
0: But you want to and just because respectful
3: of your time, but you want to. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, because you're not being forced to do it, you, you're only ever doing it because you want to know what they're going to say. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And and the individual things where you're talking about reading the wiki, it's like part of it is that, uh, I mean, this is just kind of a, me summing up something for myself. So it's something that we've kind of talked about a little bit. But, like, part of what makes it so good is that the individual stories actually stand on their own in this game, which doesn't always happen. So, like, mm-hmm. again, comparing that to Metroid Prime, like. I, I love the idea of Metroid games. That world was interesting, but the actual individual stories that are being told in that world wouldn't stand on their own as stories. Whereas like I feel like the races, each individual race's kind of quirk and backstory for this is really sketched out in a way that I like. You know, in a way that's like, this this sounds like like I would love to do like a I would play like a text adventure that's like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm the the um umga, and I'm doing this. Like they make a sense, and there's this race that, like, as a goof, uh, unlocked the potential of the psychic overlord and regretted it. You know, as kind of this uh, comeuppance. Like this is their pranking. You know, this is a prank gone horribly wrong for them. Mm -hmm. Finally, like that is a succinct short story that that is satisfying. And it does make
3: something like the Utwig or the Supox. Like, oh, you know, in comparison. Even though they're probably written the way that any old bullshit video game NPC is, it stands right. out because they're not particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. Because right. th- everything else is so good,
2: but they're they're so the exception and not the rule. Yeah, you know, so so good. Yeah, goddamn, I love this game. Like, yeah, uh... <laughs> it, it's really good. Like this is this is the kind of thing. And also, I think that um, when we do plot heavy games on the show um sometimes we'll go real crazy the spoiler warnings and stuff i think even if you've listened this far in the game and it sounds interesting to you the journey of getting there will be joyful enough to where you should do it Mm -hmm. like knowing how the plot twists and turns is not going to ruin this game for you necessarily Mm -hmm. seeing how these things articulate and experiencing what it is like the kind of cultural archaeology you do in this game is going to be joyful Mm -hmm. regardless of whether you know the the answer first
0: if I knew that this was here, if I knew that this world was inside that GOG purchase that I made when it was on sale two years ago. Yeah, me,
2: me too. I've <laughs> been saying on my computer forever.
0: Yeah, like I, I, I would have gone into it. And I, I'm really kicking myself because, you know, that is lost time that I could have yeah. spent being all about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I and feel almost, almost feel a
3: responsibility or, to be a big evangelist for uh-huh. this game because it's so common to find people who just don't have any idea what they're in for. And I've never mm-hmm. showed it to anyone that was like, oh, I played that, it sucked,
2: mm-hmm. or
0: I played it
3: and it was boring. Like,
2: No, it's not, none of those
3: things.
0: There yeah. are two speeds, oh, I've heard of that, but I haven't played it, or oh, my gosh, this thing is great.
2: Yeah, let's let's shoot the shit about it because it does so many cool things. And, like, if you're listening to this and you haven't played it, don't be turned off by the UI, which I know mm-hmm. keeps serious people away from old computer stuff. Like, it just think of it as a controller because you're mm-hmm. really just using a forward, a backwards button, and, a, and directions. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. it starts off a little bit like, oh, I'm going to have to use my keyboard to move around. Like, I could see that putting people off, mm-hmm. uh, but don't let it, you know. It's old PC gameness. It is, It is. You, you get used to it really fast, like faster than like a Fallout or other games that I also think you should get used to.
0: Yeah, it quickly disappears.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, thank you, Zach. Thank you. Hey.
0: Yeah. Ooh, uh, what, are, <laughs> what are we doing next time, Cole? Well, next time, I'm very excited about this. We're doing our game book special.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. I, am, I am neck deep in these things right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so for, if, for people who are not sure, we are, uh, together we're reading uh, Sorcery, Mm -hmm. the uh and we're actually we're doing the ios app because the actual book is kind of hard to find um, but it's fairly um fairly accurate Mm -hmm. and then we're kind of doing a little bit of a book report on uh, some choose your own adventure uh books um some books in the lone wolf series some books in the goosebumps (laughs) series i have a ninja series of choose your own adventure books i have one of the nintendo ones Mm -hmm. nintendo branded ones so i'm going to kind of just do it because they you know if you're not trying to do every ending they take about 20 minutes to read yep so i'm gonna i'm gonna do a dive on them. we're just gonna kind of talk about different ways that game books work and and what we know about them mm-hmm. um because they're cool yeah and you don't hear people talk about game books a lot yeah it's a fun way to play D by yourself <laughs> i for <laughs> one am <laughs> really
3: looking forward to that episode
2: oh thanks yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about it that cole sent me a goosebumps book so we read one of the same goosebumps goosebumps books <laughs> and i wasn't i'm a little bit too old for goosebumps mm-hmm. um it's delightful. <laughs> Like, it's very funny. And I don't know how much of it is intentionally funny, but I could see, like, oh, this is why this was a cultural phenomenon. Like, mm-hmm. this is weird. Like, this is over the top and dumb enough to be, like, really, really fun. Yeah. Um, and Not just, like, poorly written. Exactly. You know? Like,
0: yeah. I-, I don't want to turn into a BuzzFeed article, but, like, reading these, it really, a lot about me makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, affection for horror and just, like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, these are perfect for a seven or eight-year-old. Like, yeah. go for it.
2: Yeah, um, super cool. Yeah.
0: I'm staring right now. I printed out a bunch of self made character sheets for Grey Star the Wizard and City of Thieves.
2: Oh, so yeah. So I'm looking
0: forward to going into that.
2: Yeah, Grace, Star the Wizard is – we're also – we're both doing a lone wolf book, even though we're doing different ones. I'm doing the Flight from the Dark, the first one, um, but I had an extra copy of Greystar the Wizard. Mm-hmm. So I sent that to Cole because yeah. um, uh, – like I, and I played those contemporaneously. Like I have a very embarrassing moment when I was like in eighth grade doing a, a book report. Maybe it was in eighth yeah. grade. I might have been even younger than that. But I wanted to read uh, this lone wolf book and I had to – we had to write like which chapters like to reflect – on them and stuff. And I had like having a discussion with Mrs. Ring about how there aren't really chapters in this book. <laughs> this this book's a little bit different. Can I just write down how many pages I read? Um and uh that's that's not my proudest moment or anything.
3: <laughs> you guys probably know this, but there is a like a an if not open source, at least freeware PC interpreter for those books. That yeah. come with all of the data. So you can have a have a computer do all the bookkeeping and stuff for you. you
2: oh know. Yeah, I i play I've played through those and those are really cool. I want to do one of the, at least one of the books, doing it on natural. Me too. With the uh with the the you know, pen and paper and, and dice or the weird random number generator <laughs> that they give you, which is like closing your eyes and pushing your putting your finger on a, a number. <laughs> but uh, I I've gone through all those and those are great and those will definitely be uh in the show notes for that episode. Yeah. I recommend those, even though I think the iOS port of the Lone Wolf book is not great. And... Um, I didn't get very far into it, but I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, anywho, yep. um, game books. Game books. Um, after that, we're doing Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare 1.
0: People were really baffled when we announced we were doing
2: that. It, it is really baffling. I was kind of baffled after I played it. <laughs> <But> yeah, not, <laughs> not really. Like, I, I dug it. But I defy anyone to tell the difference between the machine guns and that game. Like, yep. is there really any reason to give me, like, 40 different kinds of machine guns that all feel exactly the same? I mean, Come on, Paul, there, there are subtle
0: variations in the no scoping for the pro tier like
2: very subtle yeah no, it, <laughs> no. <laughs> no I, 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 it is i am i am a scrub like i haven't I've, i'm going to do a little bit of the multiplayer but like yeah. that's going to be such a weird episode because we're going to be talking about this narrative experience and uh-huh. like people people love the multiplayer in that game and still play it constantly uh-huh. uh it's still really active yeah and we're just going to talk about the narrative but mm-hmm. it is it is uh it is worth talking about i can say with confidence having beat it yeah um
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. After that, Gary, I'm going to uh, suggest a small addendum, and by that I mean require three more hours of us. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, i not recording. Dear God, I hope not. Yeah. But we're going <laughs> to do... We're
2: going to put our first six-hour episode. <laughs> yep. No, yeah.
0: this is... Uh, so after that, we're going to be doing Commander Keen, the Goodbye Galaxy Saga, which is uh, encompasses Commander Keen's four and five.
2: Yeah. They're both yeah, incredibly
0: short. Like, I played them, and it's like, oh, we can finish out this story really easily.
2: Yeah. And it's it that's a it's a weird like we never talked about this but to a certain subset of the population like platformer like PC platformers or what they did mm-hmm. you know they didn't have Mario they had Commander Keen yeah and Duke Nukem 2D and stuff <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to that I've always had an affection for the Commander Keen games Me too. and uh, I mean you can play pong on your watch yeah it's great why wouldn't you do that um, yeah and and we have our rest of our stuff planned up through episode 100 and it's great yeah so I'm really excited.
0: Up through episode 101.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 101. And we're going to do another poll soon for people who are back us on Patreon, so look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Zach, where can people find you?
3: Uh, they can find uh, my my podcast, Video Games Hot Dog, at videogameshotdog.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Zap Jackson. And uh, my uh, video game that I've been working on for 12 years is called The Kingdom of Loathing, and it's at kingdomofloathing.com. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Recommend it all. Definitely. Yeah, we really appreciate
0: um, you coming on.
3: Hey, yeah, thank, thank you, you so much
2: for having me. I, I'm I'm really glad you guys finally made it to this game. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, if you want to uh, support us, you can always leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Uh, people have come out in force for that, and I kind of shamelessly asked. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you did because it was very nice, and I hope that no one was saying anything they didn't mean. Right. Um, but thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv.
0: Mm-hmm. People also came out and forced to uh, buy the shirt, the mascot shirt oh, sure. that's going up, yeah. um, which I believe the campaign is going to be closed by the time um, that that goes, you know, goes away. Uh, but uh, eventually there's going to be a storefront on there. we like once it gets a certain amount of backers uh, beyond the fact you're going to be able to get it. So it will be available um, for the long run, except with these weird caveats on top of it.
2: Yes, and we're going to be doing shirts for a while. Yeah. Like, that's going to be a thing where, like, the minimum to print is pretty low. Um, so we'll be rolling out another campaign soon yeah. um, on that as well. And uh, so if you want to support us and if you want to wear cool shirts, that is a cool way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, think... Oh, and I put out a, an EP. So if you go to DuckFeed.tv forward slash store, you can buy a Apologia, Apologia. I never know how to pronounce that mm-hmm. word. Um, I just titled it. Yeah. But it is a, a short musical thing for two bucks mm-hmm.
0: yeah so. it is a. It, I, I listened to it last night when i put it up on the store um and it, it like uh, it's delightful it's it's oh, gary thanks. playing around with uh with the korg ds synthesizer as opposed to mario paint there is a mario paint song on there but uh but it's good to hear your branching out
2: yeah thanks yeah some some of that stuff is new some of it is old huh. actually um that i've had for for a while but i want to mess around with korg ds some more because that's another fun way to make music yeah. um yeah so i think that's probably it just about yeah so thanks everybody and uh until next time what should they watch out for cool
0: they should watch out for the uh oh gosh what's the name of that fish race (laughs) the oars because i don't like i don't like the way they're looking at me
2: i don't like it either yeah Hush, hush, boy.
0: Hush, <laughs> yeah. boy. Maybe one of the cats is a slave.
2: There you go. That works for me. All right.
0: Little kitty whips. Little cat o' nine tails. Well, hell, back cat.
2: Cat o' nine tails, oh, cats. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> is there a cat
0: at the end of each one?
2: That would be pretty cute.
0: <laughs> I know, I right? understand.
2: They just scratch.
0: <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's specifically for use on pregnant women.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> to give of them... whatever that
0: thing is uh yeah to give them ted nugent um
2: yeah